This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Vincent Drugstore in Haddonfield, Illinois. Come to the Vincent Drugstore for all your Halloween needs. We carry everything from pumpkin carving kits to costumes, including a replica mask of real-life spree killer Michael Myers for some reason. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Halloween on Pod Cemetery. This year, we're getting deeper into the franchise. This year, it's 1988's Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, and 2018's Halloween, just just Halloween, for the third time, just Halloween. <laughs> but before we get into the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Horror trivia. Give me what you got. We have such sights to show you. Name the movie. Hellraiser. That is a whole franchise that we barely touched. I know. Can we please get into Hellraiser? But, like, there are so many other things that I also want to do that I also really, really want to do. So, we're going to be doing this till we die, Kelsey. Probably. <laughs> Kelsey, Laurie Strode, for the first time but not the last time, dies for this movie. However, this time she's killed off screen before the movie even starts. How does she die? I don't think they actually say, but for some reason my gut is telling me it was a car accident. Yes. That's what... Now you're having me second guess if they actually say it in the movie or not. I don't think they do. Well, if they do, I'll put the line here. Okay, so here's the thing. During the edit for this episode, I I scrabbled through the timeline of the entire Halloween 4 movie looking for any moment where people are talking but not shouting or running or screaming, where we might see the picture of Laurie Strode, anything. And there is zero reference that I could find to her dying in a car accident. As a matter of fact, I even got the original script. I got the transcript, like the closed captioning transcripts for the movie and searched for accident, car, crash, uh, died, Lori, like all these terms, and there is fucking nothing in this movie. But everyone, everywhere, seems to think that the reason she died 11 months prior to this movie is because of a car crash. And nobody seems to be able to point to how we know that. There are a few people talking online about, hey, okay, I know she dies in a car crash. How do we find that out? And everyone's like, yeah, here's the Wikipedia page, or here's the, the this reference to this thing. I'm like, no, how do we find out in Halloween 4 that she died in a car crash? I think the answer is, we do not. I think what the answer is, is that in H2O, at one point when the script was originally written, it did not take 4, 5, and 6 out of continuity. It was part of continuity. And what ends up staying in the movie that did remove four, five, and six from continuity is that 
she changed her identity. You know how her son doesn't know that she's Laurie Strode and what mm-hmm. happened to her as a kid? It's because she faked her death in a car crash. Mm. And I think people are just seeing that as a reference to her dying in four. Kind of like how in the new version that we talk about in the second half of this episode, that like, oh, isn't he like her brother or whatever? Oh, no, that was just a rumor some people made up. Like, it's a reference to that thing. Is there a novelization version? I think so, but I haven't read the novel, so that's a good question. I don't know. Maybe that's where we get it, but nobody seems to be talking about it online. Well, anyway, back to the episode. But that brings us right into our first movie, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Halloween movies are starting to get longer and longer subtitles, although they stay about this length. There's The Return of Michael Myers. The Curse the of curse Michael of Myers. Michael Myers. Revenge of Revenge Michael, of Michael Myers. Myers. Curse is six, right? I think Curse is six. Yeah, Revenge, Revenge is, is five. five. Yeah, anyway. Uh, it's been a long time since we've seen this whole franchise, but we're getting into the Daniel Harris era here, these next movies, and I'm really excited about that. <laughs> Halloween 4 is directed by Dwight H. Little, story by Danny Lipsius, Larry Ratner, Benjamin Ruffner, and Alan B. McElroy, with a screenplay by Alan B. McElroy. And it stars Donald Pleasance, Ellie Cornell, and Danielle Harris. This is the first movie where you will not see John Carpenter's name. They asked him to write a script, and he did, or at least wrote a treatment for the script, uh, with the guy who wrote the novelizations of, like, the first three movies or something like that. Uh, But they rejected it. The idea was that Haddonfield would basically put a ban on Halloween because of the events of the the previous, I guess, two movies, Halloween one and Halloween two. But that repression would bubble up like this, the the spirit of murder within the town and yada, yada, yada. Um, But the producers were like, no, we want to have Michael Myers flesh and blood. We don't want like, people going crazy and killing for him or, you know, never finding out who the killer is or whatever. We don't want any of that. So we want Michael Myers. So they rejected John Carpenter's script. And so him and Deborah Hill both were like, well, then fine. I mean, it's okay if you guys want to keep making this, but we don't want to be involved anymore. The only reason we were still involved is because we were still actively involved in making it. And since we're not going to be this time around, then we don't even want to produce it. So... They sold all of their interest to in the, the franchise. M- Mustafa Akkad. Mustafa Akkad, who was an original producer, but, you know, he was one of their partners throughout this whole thing, so they sold it to him. Uh, so you'll see his name remain over the entire franchise, even the Akkad name in 2018, but we'll get there. So, yeah, they had a whole new script written, and they just were like, okay, what if instead of he's going after his sister, it's his niece, and... It's basically the same shit all over again. <laughs> Loomis is back. He didn't die in number two. They actually filmed or scripted, prepared to film, and only filmed some of it, something like that, uh, back in that hospital of when the explosion in the hospital happens. How they survive. Yes. Loomis gets tossed from the room in the explosion, which is why he's all scarred up but not dead. And when they go back in, Myers isn't there. And so, like, or something like that. So, 
And I just think that's pretty interesting. But they're like, no, 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 let's just get right to it. We're just going to say they survived. <laughs> End of story. It'll be one line of dialogue. Isn't it great? We invented the whatever. What is it really about, though, Kelsey? Can you tell us the premise of Halloween 4? The return of Michael Myers? I mean, you basically just said it. Michael Myers has survived and is being transferred to a different hospital. He escapes like he always does. and It's the 10-year anniversary. Yeah, and he goes back to Haddonfield to go after his niece now. Yeah, he, which he knows he has because the idiot... <laughs> Doctors who are with him have that conversation. Have a right conversation in right in front of him, giving him all the <laughs> exposition he needs. Oh yeah, he has a niece that he doesn't even know about. She's living in Haddonfield. Like Jesus Christ. Yes. <laughs> uh, the movie is free with a subscription on services like Fubo, Directv, Sling, and Shutter, which is where we watched it. We watched it on Shutter. You can rent it for four dollars on iTunes, Amazon, or Vudu. Ten dollars to buy on those same services. Or $12 on DirecTV. Should people watch Halloween 4? Only if you are invested in the franchise. It hasn't gotten bad yet, I think is the point. It's not a terrible movie. It's not no. a great movie. It uh, the, the scene that I'm thinking of must be in 5 when he's chasing after her and she's like in a hole. That's Probably, that must be yeah. in 5. But this still has an iconic... This movie does some interesting things. Well, it has that iconic scene at the end, which we will talk about with Jamie Lloyd, named after Jamie Lee Curtis, mm-hmm. uh, the the niece. There's, there is an iconic Jamie Lloyd scene in this movie, but it's not the one you were thinking of. No, but I, I see why this isn't like a big one for the franchise. It, it feels it, like a rehash. It's a little long. Yeah. It's a little slow. But, like, I think it's a perfectly fine movie. I don't Mm -hmm. think it's bad. The thing I will give this movie and the next movie that we're going to watch is it doesn't waste our time by having people know that he's out and nobody believing them. (laughs) There is a time and place for that plot line. We're four movies into this franchise, three movies into the Michael Myers story. We do not need to have a thing where people are like, Michael Myers is back, and then nobody believes them. (laughs) There is some resistance at the very beginning, but all the important people who matter that aren't required to get the plot going are like, you're saying he's back? Well, let's get fucking going. Yes. And I appreciate that, but it is basically just a rehash of the concept of Michael Myers is out It's Halloween, he's killing people, and they're hunting him. Mm -hmm. Like, that's it. Yes. But, yeah, I think you should, if if you're compelled at all to see the Halloween movies, this isn't one you should avoid. Right. But if you're not compelled, eh, don't bother. Yeah. It does have that killer ending, though. Yeah, but for some people, that's not that's not nearly enough. It, it might be disappointing, too, I think, for some people. They'd be like, really? Mm-hmm. Me, I love the ending of this movie. I'm kind of in the middle. There are things I like about it, and then there are things I don't like about it. Totally. Well, you can take our advice or leave it as much as it even exists. <laughs> when we get back, we will talk about 1988's Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Ten years ago, Halloween, evil had a shape. Terror had a night. And now, he's back. Six bodies, Sherry, that's what I've seen. That's my 
tell you Michael Myers is here in this town. Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. He's come home to kill. <laughs> Halloween 4, rated R, starts Friday, October 21st at theaters everywhere. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Halloween 4 begin? Well, it's October 30th, 1988, so the day before Halloween. And we're at the sanitarium where Michael's being held, and he is going to be picked up and transferred to a different place. And Always a transfer. Always a transfer. Just fucking leave him there. <laughs> he does not need to be transferred anywhere. I love that it's always right before Halloween. Uh-huh. But so the, these people are here to pick up Michael, and as they're walking through, there's, like, people screaming, and one of them is like, Jesus, when they see somebody, and, and the guy who works there is like, Jesus ain't got nothing to do with this place. <laughs> we get exposition. A decade ago, we killed 16 people trying to get to his sister. That's over the course of the first two movies. Yes. The doctor tried to burn them both alive, but they both survived. But his doctor, of all people... Shot him six times. Then he set him on fire. Both of them nearly burned to death. As the two men leave, the woman is stays in there with Michael. She's supposed to check his vital signs because he's just been in a coma for 10 uh -huh. years. And what happens? His arm falls off of the bed that he's on, which why that wouldn't be strapped down. And you think something's going to like, oh, he's going to attack her. No. No. Not yet. We're just seeing that his arms are free. Yeah, and the doctor is just very happy to be seeing Michael leaving his sanitarium, and Loomis is going to retire now that he's going to be transferred. Yes, this doctor, Dr. Hoffman, is Michael Pataki. He is the Russian manager from Rocky IV. <laughs> he is George Martin from Sweet 16. We mentioned him when he was in Sweet 16. And he is Guglioni, the principal from Graduation Day, which, wow. yeah. You, do you not recognize him? When we did Sweet 16, we mentioned that. Oh, he's the principal from graduation day with the tight pants that has the affair with his secretary. That's yeah. so funny. <laughs> so he's been in a lot of weird horror movies. Okay. And Rocky Four. And Rocky Four. Uh, so as they are taking him out into the rain, we get the music, which is always fun. Yep. That's the only thing of, of John Carpenter's thing that you that you get in this movie is the soundtrack. And yes, it's during this converse, during this drive that they just have this conversation about his niece. Did Hoffman say anything about living relatives? Yeah, a niece living in his hometown. And? And she's too young to be his legal ward. So the state owns him? Giving him all the ammunition he needs to come back to life and... Kill people by putting his finger through their temple. Yeah, apparently that was a, a reshoot. When the movie was done, they thought that there wasn't enough blood. And so they went back and refilmed some of the scenes, including... And gave him really and, dumb deaths. Yeah. Uh -huh. He stuck his finger through his temple. They just what? wanted it to be graphic. It's stupid. Yes. Uh -huh. <laughs> Meanwhile, poor little niece... Uh, Jamie Lloyd. Jamie Lloyd. As soon as I heard it, I was like, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jamie Lloyd is terrified and is looking out her window and sees the ambulance. And you're thinking, what? And you should absolutely be thinking, what? Because that's not possible and it's not true. Uh-huh. What were they thinking? Yeah, she hallucinates a little bit because she's so scared of the but thing that 
how would she know about the ambulance? Yeah, totally. It's totally really weird. Well, I mean, we're getting into the era where it doesn't matter. Like the 80s with the Jason movies and things like it doesn't matter how the killers accomplish things. It's just, well, we're at the next scene. I guess they teleport. Um, well, but you know, it, he's not even there. I understand. We, we later see how he gets there. I understand. My point is, is they just want to create like creepy scenarios and they don't think through how that would even be possible. Unless it's supposed to be setting up the connection between the two of them. But if it oh, is, yes, because it's in, in later movies, done. we're going to see that they have a psychic connection to each other. It's very weakly done if that was what they were trying to imply. I do not think that's the case. <laughs> but so her, her, her. Again, they're not super clear. We know that her parents are dead and that her mother was Jamie Lee Curtis. We know this because they very specifically show us pictures of she Jamie Lee Curtis. She dies 11 months before the start of the movie. And now she's living with this family? This foster family still in Haddonfield. Yeah, that's where I'm just – and, like, this, these are people that she grew up with. So my assumption is that the family said, we'll take her? Yeah, I guess. I don't know if that's the way the – Law works, but it's fine. Yeah, hey, they're willing to take her, and they're, you know, doing the best they can. The sister, the stepsister, basically, is just like, it's been four nights in a row. You still can't sleep? Rachel is her name. And she's like, Rachel, do you love me like a real sister? And she's like, well, you're not my real sister, but I don't love you any less. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to show you that they have this strong bond, which Uh will be tested in the morning. So that night... After, I guess, the sister leaves, Jamie Lloyd will then have another dream where Michael Myers is in her room in full costume and she can hear his breathing and then she gra- he grabbed her from under the bed. Yeah. Ends up just being a nightmare. But again, all these things, like, you, you're considering, is it possible that her mother, Jamie Lee Curtis... Just like they they say in the new movie, raised her to be aware of Michael Myers and I don't, his presence. I don't think that's what this is saying. I don't think it's saying anything about Jamie Lee Curtis's character, Laurie Strode. I think it's just that he's out there in the world. People talk about him. It probably comes up every Halloween. We see she's picked on for it at school in an upcoming scene. So, like, I don't think there's any way she could avoid knowing about him. But I just mean, like, the very specific things that they choose. How would she know exactly what he dressed as? How would anyone? Um, how? Oh, for sure there are photographs. <laughs> I guess. I see what you're saying. I think it highly applies to the first scene with the ambulance. I, I don't think it's that far of a reach that she might be afraid of the guy that she's heard about so much. And have nightmares about him. I'm just saying, it just seems very specific. Mm-hmm. And it raises questions. In the morning, her stepsister, who says that she's on a diet, but then eats a bagel and drinks milk. (laughs) um, (laughs) Diets were different, man. They were. Is explaining that she cannot watch Jamie Lloyd that night because the babysitter uh, canceled. Rachel says, I can't watch Jamie tonight. I've got a date and I really think this guy I'm dating is going to make a commitment tonight. Yeah, and really, she's just trying to guilt her mom. This could be my future husband, the father of my children, and now you're not going to have grandchildren because I couldn't go out tonight. Which Jamie Lloyd overhears and is just like, sorry, I'm such an inconvenience. <laughs> the dad's like, nice, nice, Rachel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because all you can think about is yourself. I think tonight Brady was ready to make a commitment. But now my future relationship, my engagement... 
My marriage, my children, and your grandchildren have all been wiped out because I have to babysit. Oh, joy. I'm sorry I ruined everything. I wasn't here. You can go out. Oh. Good job, Rachel. That little girl needs all the love we can give her right now. All you can do is think about yourself. And you might be wondering, what about you, Dad? Why aren't you staying home and watching her? And then you find out it's because he's up for a promotion. Right. And so he kind of needs to not be home. There's an obligation he has. So that's when the sister is like, well, why don't we go trick-or-treating? And Jamie's Lloyd's like, I don't want to go trick-or-treating. And she's like, okay, well, how about I take you for ice cream after school? To which Jamie Lloyd says yes. Then we get to see Loomis. Yep. Loomis is still alive and all scarred up. Donald Pleasance being just as great as he always is. And he's very mad that you let him take it out of here. The evil that walks on two legs. It's it's just terribly convenient that he he gets transferred that night. He never arrives at his location. Loomis shows up the next morning to complain about this. And while Loomis is there, that's the moment when Dr. Hoffman gets the call saying, uh. <laughs> yeah, and he and the guy's like, it happens. Loomis! Because <laughs> Loomis leaves. Yeah. And when Loomis gets to the, the site, the policemen, you know, their entire jobs, they're just like, I don't know. The bodies are all chewed up. Guess can't do anything about it. And Loomis is like, fuck this, and goes and looks at the bodies, and he's like, I know he was here. I know he's gone. You're talking about him as if he's a human being. And then they're like, Loomis, where are you going? To Haddonfield. Now where are you going? Haddonfield. It's a four-hour drive. You can reach me through the local police. If you don't find him in four hours, I'm sure I will. And this is actually important. I, I think this is kind of cleverly plotted here. Like, this specific moment of the story is kind of cleverly plotted. What happens with Loomis and Myers, and it seems terribly convenient, but it actually makes a whole hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> but we'll get to that. What he's talking about is the very next scene at a mechanic shop. At a gas, gas station. station. Yeah. Uh -huh. At this point, they've made it very clear that Donald Pleasance walks with a cane. But I think it's hilarious because in this scene, he so doesn't need his cane. <laughs> Barely uses well, it. Well, he'll hobble for the rest of the movie. Right. <laughs> but in the first scene, they make it look like he couldn't possibly walk uh -huh. without a cane. But uh, yeah, he's stopping at a gas station because he's about to make a four-hour drive. He needs to make sure he has a full tank. But Michael got there first. Because this is the first location that he could get to from the accident of the ambulance. That could provide him with a car. Yeah. And Michael has already murdered everyone inside. We see him kill the mechanic, but he's also already killed the people inside the diner as well. Yeah. And Loomis finds out that Michael is there because he finds the mechanic strung up in chains. Yes. Because, again, Michael sometimes enjoys leaving people in weird places, and other times he just leaves them where they die. Uh-huh. Because Michael... Michael's his own person. He just knows people. Oh man, Loomis is gonna come by here. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna freak him out so hard. <laughs> I hope that's what Michael <laughs> was thinking. He's just like, I don't care about this, but uh, I think I'll just do one of them just to freak Loomis out. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't trust that Loomis actually sees Michael in this next shot where he turns and from across the length of this building that they're in, sees him at the other side through these doorways, fires on him, and all of a sudden Michael's not there and Loomis doesn't look away. I'm convinced that's because Michael's not actually there. Michael's already outside stealing the truck. That's very possible, but the movie's not interested in telling you. Yes. I mean, Loomis makes this stupid argument. He's like, leave the people in Haddonfield alone. Leave them in peace. Kill me instead. And it's like, Loomis. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> if he killed you, he'd go and kill the rest of yeah. them. What the fuck are you talking about? Michael? Why now? You waited 10 years. I knew this day would come. Don't go to Haddonfield. If you want another victim, take me. But leave those people in peace. Please. Michael. God damn you. He's desperate. And so Loomis is going to spend the next portion of the movie trying to get to Haddonfield, getting trolled by some punk-ass teenagers. Yes. <laughs> and and then some uh, old man's going to pick him up. A reverend who yes. believes in the evil that he is fighting. And this will not come up ever again. Not specifically the evil that he is fighting, just that evil exists and he is hunting for it in the same way that Loomis is hunting for his own evil. This was originally supposed to come back. They put it in the novelization. He does eventually decide that, you know what? This is my opportunity to hunt evil. And so he goes back to the police station where he drops Loomis off looking for him. That's when Myers is there and Myers gouges out his eyes and so then he's found later still alive, but blinded, talking about how he finally saw the true face of evil and it blinded him and yada yada. That's in the novelization. Didn't actually make it into the movie. This old man is Reverend Sayer, is played by Carmen Filpi, who is Old Man Withers from Wayne's World and the old man from The Wedding Singer. Just thought I'd drop that in here. Okay. Basically, what we're telling you is the creators of Supernatural are a big fan of this movie. <laughs> well, the idea that you get blinded by pure evil is... No, I'm saying hunters. Oh, hunters, yeah. People that uh -huh. are on the road hunting evil. Well, that's, so that, all goes, that goes back to Van Helsing and all of that. So, anyway. I don't know. I think they got the idea <laughs> from this movie. They're just watching <laughs> the return of Michael Myers. Decide, we, we could make a TV, a TV show, show about show that. <laughs> what if it was two brothers? Uh -huh. um, you didn't mention that they set the place on fire. Oh, yeah. They set the gas station on fire. And so, but I, what I like about this is nobody can deny this now. There are dead bodies killed here. The place is on fire. I'm surprised nobody thinks it's Loomis. But his car is, you know, it, I'm happy that people are like, oh, yeah, okay. But nobody previously matters anymore. It's just going to be Loomis that matters going forward. Then we get this awful scene of these kids tormenting Jamie Lloyd. And it's just, <sighs> it's ludicrous. It is. Hey, Jamie, where's your costume? 
wears a mask or you're wearing it. I don't need to wear a stupid costume. That's because every day is Halloween at Jamie's house. Right, Jamie? Because your uncle's the boogeyman. Boogeyman, boogeyman. Jamie's uncle's the boogeyman. How come your mommy didn't make you a costume, Jamie? How could you? Her mommy's sick. Jamie's mommy's a mummy. Stop it, okay? Stop it! Jamie's an orphan. Jamie's an orphan. James House. <laughs> Boogeyman. 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 Mommy, thank you. How could you? Your mom's dead. Where are the teachers? Teachers are never around. Adults are never around. Uh huh. We just walk by hearing kids screaming horrible yeah, no, things that we don't do anything about There's a mob of children it. harassing another child. like Screaming, Jamie's an orphan, your uncle's the boogeyman. <laughs> and no one does anything. It's, it's silly. But bullying is always portrayed this way because they don't... They, they feel like if it was real bullying, no one would understand the gravity of yeah. it. Which is the sad part. So Jamie Lloyd is quickly picked up by her stepsister and her stepsister's friend. Friend named? Should have made this the trivia question. Oh, is it supposed to be the little girl from the Lindsay first movie? from the first movie. That was apparently the original intent, uh, and she was going to be a larger part in the movie, but they ended up reducing the scope of the film and and writing that out of the script but she they do call her Lindsay, and that is the name of the little girl in the first movie well jamie's jamie lloyd's stepsister tells her that jamie lee curtis used to babysit her yeah uh-huh so so you can imagine that they're all friends and yeah mm-hmm. and we have at the drugstore where we meet brady uh there's another named character named wade that third boy was apparently supposed to be Tommy, the other kid that she was babysitting. But, you know, he doesn't get a out. name in this. Yeah, it's all out. But yeah, so Jamie Lloyd has decided, I want to go trick-or-treating because she wants to be normal. She wants to be like everybody yeah. else. And that is what forces them to not go and get ice cream, but to instead go and get a costume from the discount store. That's where Brady works. And... Her friend, her friend is like, you should go there and you should talk to him. And she's like, but I'll look so desperate if I do. And she's like, face it, Rach, you are desperate. Mm-hmm. And it's like. She still hasn't told him she's canceling their date yeah, at this point. I understand why Brady's annoyed. Like, you waited all fucking day to tell uh-huh. me about our date being canceled. And if you hadn't shown up here to get your costume for yeah, your niece. Yeah, when were you planning on telling me? Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's, it is a shitty thing to do. But what he does yes, is shittier. Yes. <laughs> Before they le- get into the store, we see that the hot chick, the one that everybody wants, the sheriff's daughter, uh-huh. is being looked at by one of Brady's friends. But when he approaches her, she's just like, fuck off, Wade. <laughs> I feel like this is an elegant way to get everyone in the same place later on in the movie is by establishing that there's the hot girl that everyone's interested in. She is interested in Brady. Brady just got, you know, stood up, I guess, in a way by his, by his actual girlfriend. And he's going to do a really shitty thing coming up with 
this hot woman who happens to be the sheriff's daughter and the sheriff is related to this. So like the way they get everyone together in the same place is actually pretty elegant, I thought. Yes. Also, we know this guy, Brady. Yes, he is in Dazed and Confused and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie, not the TV series. Yeah, I immediately thought of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Wow, now that you say Dazed and Confused, yeah, he's the friend. That's so funny. He's Don in Dazed and Confused. He's a dick in that movie. (laughs) Just like he's he's a dick in Buffy the Vampire Slayer (laughs) and a dick in this movie. He's always a dick. Kind of looks like a dick. But so while Brady and her are making out in the middle of this store that he works in, which, by the way, they're not even boyfriend and girlfriend, by the way, (laughs) Brady and Rachel are making out in the Uh middle of this store that he works in. Yes. And again, not her boyfriend, Uh but whatever. As that's happening, Jamie Lloyd is looking in the costume section, and what does she find? She finds a clown costume that she really likes for some reason. God, if you see these costumes that they're wearing later, (laughs) it's pretty bad. They're all terrible. Costumes in the 80s. Well, they're from the discount store as well. Yes. (laughs) They're terrible. We've talked about 80s costumes in the past, where they just say the brand name on the shirt that you're wearing or whatever. No, this is a clown outfit reminiscent of the clown outfit that Michael wore when he killed his sister when he was a little kid. Again, I think they are. I think they're trying to establish the connection between the two of them. I think in this movie it's just supposed to be creepy and they're capitalizing on it in future movies. Possibly. But so she dresses up and she sees Michael in the background. And she ends up breaking the mirror. Now, the indication is that Michael is genuinely there. Because that's where he gets his mask. And we see him after they leave. So the movie's telling us, no, he's really there. Mm -hmm. The problem with this is no one else saw him. And you could say, oh, he probably went and hid. Michael is huge. Yeah, no, exactly. Is he creeping around? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Doing something he never has done before ever uh and will never do again. Right. But maybe it's just that they don't know to, that to be suspicious of him because he's... Just this random, enormous dude staring at a little girl. No problem here. No, because by this point, after she smashes the mirror, he moves on and he's not wearing the mask yet, right? I think he grabs no. the mask here, but does he put it on? Yeah, he, he puts, puts it, it on, on in front of her. Yeah, that's a good point. And what kind of discount drugstore is going to carry... The mask of an actual real live spree killer. Yeah. Yeah. It's silly. <laughs> it's a it's I a see question. why people don't like this movie. <laughs> but he has to get the mask somehow. But I think the little girl does a very good job. Yes, Daniel Harris. Mm-hmm. She is in a couple of movies we've seen, including uh Halloween 2, the Rob Zombie one. She's plays a pretty big role, actually, in that one, surprisingly. But yeah, Daniel Harris, we like her. I know her mainly from Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Yes, she is in that as well, yes. A bunch of other things happen that we pretty much already said. Let's just skip to Michael finds the picture of Lori Strode in her bedroom. Yeah, because he somehow knows where Jamie lives. Yeah, exactly. He followed her. He followed them. That's got to be the explanation. 
He followed them from the discount store. I guess that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll take that. Meanwhile, Loomis is hot on his trail and he goes straight to the cops and he's like, he's left six bodies behind him already. Um, He's here and he will take down anyone who gets in his way before he can get to his niece. And the sheriff at first is like, Loomis, what are you doing here? But then when he tells him Michael Myers is back. Yeah. He's like, what? And the and yeah, lines are and, down. And he, and he tries to make that. Yeah, exactly. Because so, Michael has taken care of the phone lines of the entire town somehow. At the gas station. the oh. it, it ruined the phone lines. That's a point. That, go, that head into Haddonfield. And so the sheriff is just like immediately, I'm not like a, huh, that's interesting. Well, I still don't believe you. He's He just immediately is like, Loomis, get in my car. We're going hunting. Well, because also the cop that he's working with was one of the first on the scene 10 years ago. No, that's in 2018. Oh, that's 2018. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. But he was, the old sheriff is gone and retired. This new sheriff was also involved in that. And yeah, he tells his deputy or whatever to start calling places, shutting them down, you know, get people off the streets. We're going to like, they just immediately go into action. And this is what's going to cause that mob to get riled up a little later. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Rachel is taking Jamie Lloyd trick-or-treating. And what does she see? They end up going by the sheriff's house where when they knock on the door, this other girl, the sheriff's kid. daughter, answers wearing just a shirt that says something cops about do cops. It by the book. Yeah, it cops do it by the book. Remember when that was like a whole trend when blank does it blank that's totally not sexual? Like you know what I mean? Well, when I was when I was 16, I wanted to get I wanted a uh convertible and I wanted to get the thing around my license plate that said real girls drive with their tops off. Did I tell you I I inherited my mom's Chrysler LeBaron and the license plate cover said have you seen me with my top down? <laughs> I left it on there. I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, and Brady is in the background. She sees him and she's like, oh, great, and turns around. Yeah, and he runs after her, surprisingly. Yeah, but he tries to like, wait, I can explain. And his explanation is, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, his explanation is, you ditched me. So I just went to the next tale I could get. Exactly. Listen, I'm trying to get laid here. <laughs> like, that's a good argument. No, you don't understand. I mean, you blow off for a date at the last minute. So you hop on to the next best thing? I thought you were different from other guys. Oh, I'm different. It's, it's just that I just, I just got pissed off. It's all. Oh, really? Well, I'll just let you get back to Little Miss Hot Panties. It's Rachel. Jamie. Which causes her to lose Jamie Lloyd. And we don't really understand why. And it doesn't make a lot of sense it's how they get so far away from right. each other. The distance thing where they can't find each other doesn't make any sense. But we didn't say that the bullies from earlier are like, oh, hey, Jamie, nice costume. And they mean it. And they're like, want to trick or treat with us? And so they're all trick or treating together. Again, and so, you don't understand anything about bullying. Yeah. <laughs> and so these kids end up continuing walking when Brady stops Rachel. And so by the time they're done arguing, their kids are nowhere to be found. Well, yeah. And at the same time, this is when the cops are telling everyone to go inside. So all of a sudden, all these parents are grabbing their kids off the street, which would leave Jamie by herself. 
But again, none of the parents are like, oh, well, you're the last kid. Yeah. Where's Bye. your parent? Yeah. <laughs> Peace. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> exactly. It's. Yeah. Anyway. So, yes, a group of people at a bar. Hear the news that say you've got to shut down. Because it's actually on the news. And the dude who owns the bar is like, I'm not shutting down without a good reason. So he calls the police station and it just rings and rings. And he's just like, the police station don't ring for no reason. No way, no how. (laughs) Not no way, not no how. Just like in The Wizard of Oz. What's going down now? Where we going, Earl? We're going to bed. Phone never just rings at the police station. No way, no how. Wake up for sure. Quarters, huh? Nobody can see the great Oz. Not nobody, not no how. So they start a posse. Yep. We're going to go take care of Haddonfield. Yep. Which sounds like it's a good idea, but it's not. Bartender chugs a beer on his way out. Yes. This is a weird sort of like the dangers of mob justice thing, kind of like we had with Paranorman. Yes. But it like it has one moment where it's like they have to rethink what they're doing and they have like a come to Jesus moment about it. And then they're killed. <laughs> and like that's the end of the plot line. Yes. Like it, it's just seemed like it's just kind of dangling out there and they didn't really do anything with it. Yes, we agree. Also, Michael Myers will do a kill right now on a guy in the electricity place to turn all the electricity off in the town. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And then there's a chase scene where Michael, apparently that power plant is very close to the streets of Haddonfield because Michael gets from Jamie Lloyd's house to the power plant, back to the streets where Jamie Lloyd is and just happens to know where they are, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I don't think that that's Michael Myers. That's chasing after them? Yeah. But we do see... Okay, so what Chris means is we will eventually find out that a group of adult men... Oh, maybe they're teenagers. They're, they're but like young kids. Their bodies yeah. look like adult men because yeah, it's th- supposed to look like Michael. Right. Um, they're like in their young 20s. They're college kids or whatever. You have know. decided to play a prank on a nine-year-old girl and her babysitter when they've been told that Michael Myers is on the loose. So they planned this ahead of time. No, I think they just... Because they all have the costume and the mask. Yes, I think they're just being Halloween trolls and they're they're just going out like this and then they're taking advantage of the current situation. I don't think they planned for there to be a lockdown. But it was just a group of them that all wanted yes. to wear the exact same it's costume. It's like three dudes. And so this is where... Rachel fu- Rachel runs away from Michael Myers, in quotes, uh, finds Jamie finally, gets ad- ad- admonishes her for running off on her own, and then Loomis and the sheriff show up and find them, and that's when Loomis sees Michael Myers that's been following Rachel, pulls a gun on him. The sheriff is like, is that him? And he Loomis pulls a gun on him, and then the dude goes, don't shoot, don't shoot, and takes off his mask, and it's just a teenager. And then we see two more across the way, ha, 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 got you, and then run away. And then that's kind of, that's almost the end of this weird sort of tangent. But then we see that Michael is really there. As they drive away, there's still one more Michael Myers standing in the street behind them, staring at them as they drive away. This is how he's going to follow them and know where they go. Right, but how did he find them? totally. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. It's not explained, 
but that doesn't necessarily mean that there's no explanation. I also really want to talk to a group of 20-year-old boys who want to terrify a nine-year-old girl. Right. <laughs> I would, I want to meet these men. Right. <laughs> totally. But I just love when, <laughs> when they drive away, it's almost like Michael's like, aw. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but come back. <laughs> But yeah, so they, we didn't mention that they, Loomis and the cop have some, at some point gone back to the sheriff's office and have found everyone dead. Yeah. And the sheriff is just, can't believe what he's seen. I can't believe he was able to kill all my people. And Loomis is like, they didn't know that what they were fighting wasn't a man. Yeah, you're still thinking of him as if he's a man. He's not. He's pure evil. Yes. When the group, the posse shows up. They're like, what's happening? What's happening? And the sheriff doesn't want to tell them. Loomis is like, Michael Myers is here. And he's like, what the fuck, Loomis? <laughs> and Loomis is like, you don't have a police force right now. Right. There's no one here to help you. We might as well get these guys. But he is wrong. So those guys will end up finding somebody that looks like Michael Myers. They don't find shit. All they see is that the fucking, like, bush is moving. No, they. the one dude sees him and then all they see is the bushes. Everyone looks, and then they see the bushes are moving, and then they f I think it's one of those kids. Notice how it's in front of, like, this fancy house or whatever. I think this is just a prick rich kid, and this is his comeuppance for trying to scare little kids. These big dudes with guns found him, and this is what happens. He gets unloaded into. Yes. And, in, in like, on the front porch, too. Like... Who's in the house that you might be attacking? Yes. Like, they don't take any chances, and then they admonish the guy who's like, you said you saw him. That's kind of the downside to this mob justice that we see. And later on, they're going to be driving in their truck. And we'll, Trying we'll get to, there. yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. But yeah, so meanwhile, Brady and the hot chick are totally hooking up, but suddenly... Uh-oh, my dad's here. Oh, God, your dad, he's the sheriff. But what he doesn't know is that in tow, he also has... Jamie and Rachel. Jamie and Rachel. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a little elegant. I don't think we knew at this point that she was the sheriff's daughter. This is we where knew, we find out, right? We knew that there was something about her dad that made boys afraid to go out with yeah. her. They said that in the drugstore. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, now it's like all these things are crashing into each other. And it's and it's kind of this interesting sort of moment. We're like, oh, shit, <laughs> you know, but it all makes sense. It, no, none of this is like beyond the pale. I love one of Loomis's lines here. He's just like, maybe no one knows how to stop him, but I've got to try. Yeah. Uh -huh. I love his, his determination. Leave Myers for the state boys. The state police won't know how to stop him. Do you? Maybe nobody knows how to stop it. But I've got to try. So the sheriff is like, okay, you do this and you do that and you do this. We're going to lock down this house. And Brady, you know how to fire this gun? And he's like, yeah, I do. And go up to the attic and make sure nobody comes in that way. But that's where he already is. But he doesn't attack Brady here? I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I think the indication is that that's how he got in. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Brady, like, recognizes that somebody's in there with him at some point. But he stays there. Yeah, nothing happens. Yeah, uh-huh. The girls will have a conversation. It's totally inconsequential because they're both about, I mean, the hot chicken Brady are about to die. But 
they have this conversation where the girl's like, I didn't know. It's she's like, like, you knew, you just didn't care. Yeah, and it, she's she goes, he's not married, and I've got to do what's best for me. And she goes, don't you mean what you're best at? <laughs> and then she, <laughs> Rachel dumps a cup of coffee on her. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know you and Brady had anything, okay? You knew. You just didn't care. He's not married. Besides, I've got a right to do what's best for me. Don't you mean what you do best? Wise up to what men want, Rachel. Or Brady won't be the last man you lose to another woman. Have some coffee. And the sheriff leaves them because he hears about another oh he hears about the death of the posse the posse created so he has to leave to deal with that meanwhile there was another cop that was left in front of the front door that the hot chick is the one she's making coffee for him Uh uh-huh and when she tries to give him that coffee it's no longer him it's michael myers sitting in the chair again he's having a moment oh man this is gonna creep her out so bad exactly (laughs) michael's just sitting there like figure it out girl Figure it out. I'll wait. I'll wait till you see it. Uh-huh. And then he stands up with the shotgun. And instead of using the shotgun, because apparently he knows how to drive a car, but not how to fire a gun. He just rams the 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 barrel of the shotgun through her body and Is then through possible? the wall behind her with enough force. It. I mean, it is like metal, but like, does he have that much force? It I wouldn't hold her like up or anything. I feel like if you hit me... With the gun, wouldn't I just fall back? It's a matter of force, though. If if it passes through your skin and your muscle, your fat, all your organs and everything faster than you get pushed backwards, and it has to go then it will go through your spinal cord. If it goes right through her back. That's a good point. But the way that they show it, it certainly yes, looks like course, it is. It's perfectly lined up. And she's hanging there. Just like, you know, the, the guy from movie. the first movie. It's totally unrealistic, but it's one of those, whoa, moments <laughs> that they're really, really going for here. Brady tries to save, once he sees this, he tries to save Jamie and Rachel. But of course, <laughs> Michael breaks his neck very easily. Uh-huh. They run away. They try to, like, throw things to stop Michael from getting to them. He walks right by them. Rachel decides to put Jamie on her back like a spider monkey and Uh is going to climb up the roof. And we watch her get all the way to the top of the roof, watch her fall down the roof, watch her go up the roof again. And you're just sitting there like, I get that you're trying to build tension, but this isn't building tension. Use the crease where the two parts of the roof meet. Put one foot on either side of those. Don't just try to climb straight ways up a slanted roof. And then Michael's not even following after them. So, like, when they fall, it doesn't matter. He's on the other side of the the roof. Oh, he's, yeah, he came out another way. Like, he was trying to, like, like, oh, I'll head him off at the pass. I'll go out a different way onto the roof. And then when they see him, they freak out. They, yeah, she wraps Jamie in the cable from oh, the antenna. Before she does that, they slide into the brick chimney, chimney yeah. and it totally wobbles. Does it really? It's really bad. <laughs> it goes, womp, womp. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know if a, if a chimney would actually do that. I don't know. It's brick. <laughs> yes, it's brick in a very tall structure. It would lose its integrity at some point. But anyway. It's made out of paper and you know it. <laughs> It's padded. But anyway, Rachel ties 
Jamie up with the cable from the antenna that's on the chimney and then like starts to lower her down. That's when she's attacked by Michael Myers and so drops Jamie. She rolls off the roof and <laughs> falls on the ground below, knocked out. Jamie swings over to the trellis, unties herself and climbs down and Michael Myers gets down somehow too. But she shouts at her, come alive! Yes, come alive! Come alive! Not like, don't be dead or please be alive. Come alive. Come alive. Oh, come alive, Rachel. Please come alive. Don't be dead. You can't be dead. Come alive, Rachel. But she doesn't. And so Jamie runs and runs into Loomis, who's terrifying. Like, yeah, Jesus uh, Christ, Loomis. <laughs> and he's like, where's the schoolhouse? For some reason, I believe we will be safe if we go to the schoolhouse. And I love that Jamie's like, you don't really think we're going to be safe, do you? And he's like, no. <laughs> so why go to the schoolhouse? But they do. And then... Michael follows after them, of course, and he's chasing after them. Rachel somehow magically, mystically woke up and knew that they went to the schoolhouse, followed them, is able to stop pure evil with a fire extinguisher somehow. And then when they run outside, thank God, Michael's in there. The feds will take care of it. Everything is good. Let's put Jamie and... Rachel in the back of the truck with this hillbilly posse. But oh no, here comes Michael Myers again because he was able to kill every one of them off like a fucking ninja because yes, none of them were able to truck. see or hear him doing uh -huh. any of this. And then they will somehow, again, Jamie and Rachel survive and they're now in the car driving and Michael's holding on because, again, we got to have one of these where dude's hanging onto a car. Uh -huh. This is like the third one in a row for us. But she's able to slam on the brakes, which we always say is the best idea when somebody's on your car. He flies off and it's like, great, now he's off, drive away. But she doesn't want to. She wants to hit him. Which ends up, she does hit him, but that also puts them into a ditch. And so... In any other movie, you would be telling them to hit them with the car. Telling them to run over the person with the car. Now, conveniently, when it doesn't work, all of a sudden, you right, should have just driven away. Right, but at this point, why don't they understand that Michael can't be killed? Because this is the first time they're interacting with him? I guess. To them, he's just a dude. Not to Jamie. Jamie is fully aware of what he can do because she, does she has not, nightmares about it. Yeah, she has nightmares about it. She does not have – okay, like, like we said, it turns into a psychic connection later. That's not actually said. It's it, You could argue it's demonstrated like Kelsey does, but I don't think that's what the script is actually saying. I think they kind of retroactively turn it into that in future movies. Well, what does Jamie do? Jamie goes to see her uncle and she holds his hand. Well, they're all like, Jamie, get the fuck away from him. And she does. And they shoot the hell out of him. Yay. We killed off Michael Myers, except we didn't. The reason I went through those events so quickly, guys, is because it's frustrating as an audience member to watch the movie end several times and then have it keep going. Yeah, I personally don't think it does end several times. I think it only ends the once, but, and then it has this sort of like 
epilogue ultimate ending, but that's, you're going to get a falling action. And especially in a horror movie, there's going to be some sort of like final twist. It's not uncommon. This is the only time they take Michael Myers down at no other time. Do they think they have him? Like, do they think they have stopped him? So like, I don't think it's that the movie has ended multiple times. I just think that it goes from one scene to the next and it's getting long. Like you think that the roof interaction is going to be the climax. Exactly. But they don't ever stop him. Right. So, but, so there's no ending. But what I mean is they have many climaxes. Yeah. That, Fair enough. That don't. It goes, it's, the, it's the roof of the house. It's the school. It's the truck. Yes. It's a lot of moments to shove into the last 15 minutes, especially when everyone feels like it's the climax. The roof. The school. The car. All three of these things happen in quick succession and every time they happen you think this will be the end of the movie and it's not yeah instead it's an adrenaline thrill ride to you know please the audiences i think it's except that it's not thrilling when i find out that i watched her go up the roof to fall down to no danger because he's not there to go back up to the top of the roof now he's on the other side which means now we have to go this way Okay, all right, this is where it's going to come. He's going to attack, and they're going to fall, and there's going to be a brawl. There is, but that's not the end, because now Jamie's going to run away, and somehow Rachel survives, but then she runs into Loomis, and Loomis has this idea of we need to go to the schoolhouse, which leads to nothing. Them running through the schoolhouse is another pointless kind of scene like the roof was. Mm -hmm. And then we see her incapacitate him with... A fire extinguisher, which is nothing like the Michael we've seen throughout the rest of the film or the series. Like, remember when he walked through the glass door in Halloween 2? Exactly. (laughs) But for some reason, fire extinguisher stuff makes him stop. Agreed. It does kind of go through several beats here before it finally gets to the end. The police officers unload into him. He falls into something. And a bunch of wood falls on him like he's super shredder. They just assume he's dead? Like, do we see what happens to his body here? Do they go looking for it? They say in the falling action epilogue point of the film, they say he's buried. Okay, so they just kind of leave him there then. Yeah, they don't don't show us what happens, but they do say he's been buried. Sounds like a bad idea. They get back to Jamie and Rachel's house where the parents are freaking out, wondering what's going on. Uh, The sheriff is there. Loomis is there. And they're going to explain everything to her foster dad while her foster mom is going to take her upstairs and get her in the bath. There's some sort of commotion upstairs. And Loomis is like, hey, what's going on? And he goes up the stairs. He turns the corner of the stairs and he sees the foster mother lying there in a bloody heap and Jamie standing there. In a daze, in the clown costume, holding some scissors, just like Michael Myers when he was a kid in the clown costume, standing there in a daze, holding the blade, and he loses his goddamn mind. No! 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 The evil has transferred to this little girl. He pulls the gun on her, and the sheriff is like, no! Don't kill the little girl! Yeah, and then he turns and sees what happens, and then he freaks out. This is where the movie ends. It just ends on that moment. And honestly, as cheap as it is, I kind of love it. 
I think it's very interesting. And that's why I think I actually prefer five over four now that I've reseen them. I think I just kind of put four and five together as one movie. Because they are kind of like the same story, really. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's an interesting concept. Passing the evil on through the family line. The idea that, well, and even that the idea that the the cycle is starting again. Like, you can't say that what's going on with Jamie is ridiculous, where she just kills her foster mom for no reason in a haze, because that's exactly what happens to start everything off in, in Halloween, except it's with the sister. So, like, are you saying Halloween is bad then, because it includes that? Certainly you can't be saying that. Like, it's just doing the same thing that an already established movie did, so you can't really call it ridiculous. It So, it's just... Like the cycle starting over again and how frustrating and devastating that's going to be to somebody like Loomis who's who recognizes that this is just evil incarnate. No. Yes, that's funny. But <laughs> I like the ending. I like that it does that. Yeah, they're setting up this connection between the two of them. And I don't think that they, I think Chris is right. I don't think they knew what they were doing with it. Yeah. And so they just, like you said, we're just kind of trying to be creepy. Yeah. And then when they made the next movie, they were like, we can actually build off this. We can turn this into lore. We can turn him into a fantastical creature, yeah. which is interesting until you bring druids into it. <laughs> yes. And there's always when they, when, there's, there's druids in Halloween. There's. A dream demon and nightmare. There's uh evil hell slug thing in, in Don't even Friday the try to understand Jason. Jason's like, story doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it, it whenever they, they get multiple installments into these franchises, they just jump the shark with trying to explain what the source of everything is. So like stop that. Like, yeah, I think we're all fine with evil just existing in the world. Right. I and don't the think more they try to explain it, the more ridiculous it gets. Exactly. I don't think we needed to know that druids created him. And personally, stupid I reason. think a psychic connection between the two of them, maybe a little bit too much. I just, I, I enjoy the lore that yeah. they're creating here. I Fair enjoy enough. this idea because at first Michael was just this being that only existed to kill. Right? Yeah. And then they kind of, I like that they molded that. I like that they turned it into, it's a, th it's a, it's a hereditary thing. It runs in the family. Mm -hmm. I, I liked that. I think that's interesting. Maybe the psychic part is a little much, but that's how, that's what, you're right. That's where they decided to take it into a magical thing. Uh-huh. Like in previous movies you have, yes, it's unbelievable that Michael can get through all of this. But it's just Michael, and their only explanation is because he's just evil. I don't mean he's a bad person, so we label him as evil. I mean he is literally evil, and that's what drives him. That's what keeps him going. And let's just stop at that explanation. That's fine. Yeah. It's a perfectly fine explanation. Exactly. But then when they try to explain more and they try to throw in more magic stuff, now they got to explain the magic, and now we got druids. <laughs> Look, guys, we're not looking forward to number six. No, we're not. God, we still have five, six, H2O, and Resurrection to get through. 
We still have four more to get through, and that's not even counting Halloween Kills and Halloween Dies. Is that what the yep. next ones are called? Yeah. So it's a bold choice to call it Halloween Dies because we all know they're gonna bring it back. Right. Like, you know, Freddy's dead. Like maybe they're just gonna the final do, Friday. <laughs> maybe they're just gonna do another reboot. But they're certainly not going to just end Michael Myers. Right. They'll never end the three. Michael, Jason, and Freddy, they're always going to bring them back. Yeah, they will definitely come back. I mean, just like Spider-Man. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. Superheroes. None of us are surprised that they just keep redoing the same movies over and over again. Right. So uh, there's no way that... Those three will never die because they're they're ingrained in American culture. Right. And eventually they will try again. They'll get like, ah, you know what? Let's let's make another Freddy movie. I'm surprised they haven't yet, honestly. When was the last one? Was that like 11? Even further back than that, that's 2010. It's been 10 years and they haven't tried again. And now with Halloween in 2018 being so big... I'm kind of surprised that they haven't tried again with this and tried to go back to, oh, it's just a sequel to the first movie, just like they're doing with Halloween now, which I think is successful with Halloween, but like... Well, because there's too many movies within the Freddy franchise that people like. Yeah. Halloween, a lot of people only like the first one. You're right. And then I think a lot of people really like three because it's so different. I do. Uh, and then there's the irony love that, that people have for three. But, like, people don't like four, five, six. Yeah. Some people like H2O. Not Nobody likes Resurrection. Not a lot of people like H2O. But a lot more than like Resurrection. Yes. Because um, Resurrection is a joke. It's terrible. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, anyway, we can talk about that later. We got years of content left, people. <laughs> Um, I did want to bring up that when they're in the school, you might notice that Michael Myers has blonde hair for some reason. I did notice that. one shot, that's because they wanted to use the original mask, but it was far too old. Actually, I think what happened is Deborah Hill owned the mask from the original, and she's a heavy smoker indoors, and it, like, yellowed and, you know, got really old and disgusting, and so... They couldn't use that anymore, so they just went to a costume shop and bought a Michael Myers mask because they didn't want to have to manufacture one. That's hilarious. And that's the one – they had to, like, make it better so it's not, like, just plastic hair or whatever, so they had to put real hair on it and stuff. And that's the one that they tested, and they used for some of it, and then they they decided, no, this is not good enough. And so they had to manufacture a mask – and then reshoot some scenes, and that shot was left in the movie. That's so funny. Yeah. The, the Michael Myers masks were not good enough. The ones from the, yeah, uh-huh. It's just interesting. Yeah, I thought so. Um, anyway, anything else to say about Halloween for the return of Michael Myers, Kelsey? I had forgotten how long and slow it was. I feel like Daniel Harris overacts very infrequently, but it does happen. I think she's very good in this movie. I think she does a great job, but I mean, when I think about all the kids I've seen in movies, I think she does a great job. Uh huh. Even with Come to Life, well, she can't she help says. the writing. Yeah, and I think it's 
a fine movie. I think it, I mean, like, I don't think it's anything special. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the first one or anything. I think it's better than the second one. I think it's more interesting than the second one, where yeah. she's just chased, being chased after in a hospital the whole right. time. Uh-huh. So at least in this movie, we have more, we have the Halloween feel of Haddonfield. We get the trick-or-treaters, you know, we get the fun Halloween portion of it. I think there's just too much stuff that it's just like, what? That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then there was a little too much of, I feel like they were very proud of those last 15 minutes. And it's like, you should have looked at it and you should have realized that a lot of it could have been cut out. Yeah, absolutely. And they already did a lot of cutting for budget reasons. So, yeah. Well, Kelsey, what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, I'm sure it's awful. Let me guess, like 40%. Less than that, yeah. 29%. There you go. Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, may bring the series Masked Killer back into the fold, but fails to offer the visceral scares and inventiveness of the original. Metacritic average of 34, no cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? I think it's underrated. Yeah, I agree. It's not a great movie, people. That's why we recommended, hey, if you're interested in seeing the franchise, this is not one of the bad ones. But if you're not, there's no reason to go out and see this movie. So, like, that's kind of where we land on this one. What what do you think it should be? What would you give it if you were to give it a score? I'm going to give it a 60. That's exactly what I was going to give it. I don't think it's bad enough to go down into the 50s level. Yeah. But I don't think it's good enough to get into the 70s. It certainly doesn't hang, I guess, is (laughs) my point. I mean, it just... I think there's enough there to make me interested in the story. Uh Uh-huh. And if it's what we needed to get back into the Michael Myers of the franchise, then okay. Yeah. And then they... They get them back in, and then they take it weird places. Like I said, Five has a scene that I remember watching and being like, this is so tense, of him climbing after her in some kind of hole, uh-huh. and it being very scary. So, so yeah, if you can't, if you can't guess, um, yeah, she's going to be just fine in the next movie. Yeah. Well, not just fine. I think she's, like, not talking. She's in therapy or whatever. And yeah. she's not in jail. They don't care that she killed her stepmom. They're not treating her like they treated Michael Myers. Exactly. Yeah. She is not being treated like Michael Myers at all. So that is 1988's Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. Join us next year when we talk about Halloween 5. Revenge. Revenge of Michael Myers. Before we get into our next movie, Kelsey, horror trivia. In the movie Aliens, why did Ripley not want to bring Bishop on the mission? Oh, aliens. Why didn't she want to bring Bishop on the mission? Because she had a bad experience. What happened? I had a bad experience. Damn it. Not with dogs, but with robots. (laughs) With Ash. Yeah. He was a robot. Was he? Oh, what do they call him? Um, They use the different term. Android. Yes. Yeah. He's an android, not a robot. (laughs) They don't like that term. All right, Kelsey. Now that Halloween, the next movie we're about to watch from 2018, now that that exists and it kind of fractures the Halloween timeline, how many distinct Halloween timelines are there? 
See if you can work this out. Are they counting th- the third one being nothing to do with it? Yes. Okay. All right. You got one and two. That's one story. That's a complete story. Three is its own complete story. Four ignores the happenings of two. So that's its own story. No, it doesn't. You're right. Okay, so four and five and six then all have to do with story one. Yes. But then H2O was like, no, fuck all that. Yeah. They made their own story. I have no idea if Resurrection ignores H2O. No, Resurrection follows H2O. Okay. I know, I'm, I'm helping you out a little bit here. You are. And then we have Rob Zombie's Halloween story, mm-hmm. which is its own complete story. And then we have now the 2018 one, which ignores all except for one. So five? Five is right. And you're exactly right. There's the There's the... First timeline that's ever introduced, and that's one, two, four, five, and six. There's three, which is on its own. There's one, two, H2O and Resurrection. There's the Rob Zombie timeline, and then there's one, 2018, and then that's going to be followed by kills and ends. Ends, is it? It's not dies. It's Halloween ends. That's the fifth timeline there. There are five Halloween timelines. There are a lot of fucking movies. Mm-hmm. So there's all the way to six. H2O and Resurrection makes eight. The Rob Zombie make, makes 10. Uh, the David Gordon Green one makes 11. There's going to be 13 movies by the time that David Gordon Green is done. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let's talk about it. Let's get into it. 2018's Halloween, directed by David Gordon Green, based on characters created by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. Written by Jeff Fradley, Danny McBride, yes, that Danny McBride, and David Gordon Green. Starring Jamie Lee Curtis, Judy Greer, and Andy Matichak. Nick Castle is also in this movie. You might recognize that name. He was the original masked Michael Myers. There were multiple. There were like four or five or something like that. Michael Myers in the original movie. There's the version without the mask, the version with the mask, the version that knew how to break the prop. There's the version that was... uh, One of the producers or whatever, I think, one of the women just wearing an outfit because they didn't have anybody on that day and they just needed somebody to stand in the outfit. That they did that. No. Nick Castle is the primary masked version of Michael Myers in the first Halloween. He plays the unmasked version of Michael Myers in this movie. So he's back and I think he looks great. That's fun. Yeah. Uh, What is this Halloween about, Kelsey? Trauma. It's about trauma. (laughs) I'm doing the math. 40 years after the original attack happened. Yes. Again, it's like the day before Halloween. They're going to transfer Michael Myers to a different hospital. By the way, this makes Michael Myers 61. Yeah, 61 at this point. And... He's going to be transferred to another place, and obviously he escapes, and poor Laurie Strode has been waiting for 40 years for this to come, for this to happen again. She's been praying for it to happen. Mm -hmm. She wants it to happen because she's ready. Yes. 
I'm not stuck in here with you. <laughs> You're stuck in here with me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can rent it for $3 on Microsoft Store, $4 on Amazon, Google Play, YouTube, Fandango, Voodoo, and Redbox. You can buy it for $9 on Amazon and DirecTV or $10 on Google Play, YouTube, Fandango, Voodoo, Microsoft, Redbox, and AMC On Demand. I don't know why, but iTunes is not in this for some reason. Whatever. Should people watch 2018's Halloween? Sure. Yes! I like this movie much better than Kelsey does. I think it's fine. I really, really enjoy it. I think it has problems. I don't think it's perfect. But if you're going to sort of relaunch the franchise, I think this is an excellent way to do it. There are just certain things I didn't like about it that that mar my opinion of it. But otherwise, I like it. I think this is my second favorite Halloween movie. Wow. I mean, wow, really? We just went through a list of all the Halloween movies. thought you loved three. I do. <laughs> but there's an ironic sort of love for it. And also, you know, it's not part of Michael Myers. So, I mean, think about it. Halloween 2, it's kind of a nothing movie. It is. Halloween 4, we just talked about. Halloween 5 gets crazier. Although it might be better than 4. I don't know. We haven't seen it in years. 6 is terrible. H2O is trying to do what this one did. Oh, but H2O has Josh Hartnett in it. Yeah, it does. It's also just terribly late 90s. But it's Josh Hartnett. Terribly late 90s. Resurrection does the unthinkable. (laughs) Also, Buster Rhymes knows Kung Fu, apparently. (laughs) Yeah, so, like, it's it's competition isn't that much. You're right. You're absolutely right now that I think about it. I don't think it's as good as the first one, but I think if the first one was the only one to exist and then 40 years later they came out with this as its only sequel, I'd be perfectly content. That's how good I think it is. Not perfect, but good enough, I think, to be to be celebrated. I think you should definitely watch it. Kelsey, you're... Sure. I think you should. Yeah, okay. I don't... And it doesn't even come with the qualifier of if you love the series. Like I said, for four. Mm -hmm. For four, the only reason to see it is if you care about the series. Yeah. They also made it easier on audiences by, like, excising all the extra shit you need to know. You just need to know about the first movie. And if you know more than that, they're just going to hand wave all that stuff away. Yeah. So, like, you don't need all this baggage that comes with the entire franchise. Yeah. So, this movie definitely wanted to get all the kids who had never seen Halloween before. Yeah. And I think it did that pretty successfully. And you mentioned when we were talking about four that people like one and kind of never see any of the others. That's kind of what they're counting on here, is that everyone, everyone knows the first Halloween. Nobody knows the rest of the franchise, so they're not going to count on you knowing that. They're not not going to saddle themselves with all that extra baggage. Just one and then this, and that's it. It's the fourth time they've tried to change the timeline. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And this is the best change to that timeline, I think. Better than the Rob Zombie reboot. Better than... H2O getting rid of four, five, and six better than three, just abandoning Michael Myers, even though I still wholeheartedly agree that they should have done that. And if they hadn't made Halloween two the way they did, I think nobody would have been as upset as they were. (laughs) 
because it wouldn't be established at that point. And then they could have gotten away with doing that. And now we need, we desperately need more trick or treat or something else that can be like our recurring Halloween movie. That's not fucking saw. Um, but we're going to get this next year. And the year after that, I think are when the next two Halloween movies are coming. So we got that to look forward to. Yep. You can take our advice or leave it. But when we get back, we will talk about 2018's Halloween. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on a Halloween in 1978. He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night. And has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean, your grandmother is Laurie Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. He's waited for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out! Go home! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman? You should. All right, Kelsey, get us started. How does Halloween 2018 begin? So these podcasters. Podcasters. Yeah. But they're like, you know, prestige podcasters. Yes, they are Investigative journalists. Investigative journalists who claim to have shed light on some crime they once uh, investigated. Mm -hmm. But who knows? <laughs> they are going to the sanitarium where Michael has been held for the past 40 years. And lo and behold, the day before Halloween, he's going to be transferred to another sanitarium. As we've already established in the first half of this episode, they love doing transfers on like the day of or the day before the anniversary of the reason that they're in there. <laughs> yes. It's almost like, well, he was booked. Or you could look 10 at years ago or 40 years ago to number yeah. four. Maybe. Yeah. But we are told that Dr. Loomis passed away because tragically Donald Pleasance is in fact deceased. Yes. It's very sad. And we get the stupid replacement and he just is so dumb. He's the evil doctor. <laughs> Spoilers, Kelsey. And. Uh, Haluk Bilgener is Dr. Sartain. He's a completely disinteresting character because they don't give you any particular, like, reason to for him to be the way that he is. Okay, so I was going to get into this later, but I'll get into it now. The podcasters and the doctor represent the audience, in my mind, because if you go back and listen to our 55th episode – 
Uh, it's the 13 Ghosts and thir- 13 and Ghosts oh, double feature. Oh, we did it feature. on the 13 Ghosts Yes. Uh, <laughs> we talk about our thoughts on when this movie first came out and we saw it in theaters. One of the things that we talked about is how the movie is kind of an indictment of the tendency of real life and horror movie franchises to center the offender and not the victim. And when we do focus on the victim, it can sometimes be exploitative. So what the podcasters and the doctor represent are those people out there that are like, I want to get into his head and I want to, I want to know why he did what he did. And it's like, this, this should not be about the offender. I understand that, but he's just like, he's not interested. He just wants to watch him do his stuff. He wants to be him. No, he, he's crazy. He wants to be him because he wants to know firsthand what it's like to be in his head, what he's thinking, what he's going through, why he does the things that he does, asking all these questions that the first Halloween movie established are irrelevant. It does not matter what makes Michael Myers so fucking scary is that he is just pure evil and motivation is not a factor. We cannot and we should not understand him. This is not the serial killers. This is not mind hunters. This is, he is the shape and not Michael Myers in the credits for a reason. And what we end up doing inevitably with horror movie franchises that run too long is that we center the villain because they're the only thread throughout the entire franchise. Cause you know, victims come and go, they get killed off. They move on to other movies. You know, they don't come back for the sequel or whatever. And the villain can always be recreated. And so all of a sudden they become the protagonist. They become what everything's about. And every conversation is centered around them as opposed to the awful things that they do and how they affect people. And that also reflects how we treat tragedies in real life as well. And so these people are the warnings to everyone that it does not matter what his motivations are. Michael Myers is Michael Myers because he is the he's the one horror franchise villain that is a blank slate. That is a mindless killer and it's not a zombie. He is not a nightmare demon. He's not any of these things. He has no motivation. And so these podcasters and this doctor represent all those people that are that are trying to take the wrong thing from Michael Myers. That's what they represent in this, I think. But he explains as they are talking that Michael is way more aware than you have any idea. He knows you're here. He's been watching you since you arrived. You can't underestimate any of the people here. Be very, very careful because they are all standing outside and they're all in these squares Okay, can we talk about how this scene is one of the shittiest depictions of mental illness in the entire franchise? Yeah. It sucks. It really sucks. I don't think any of these are good representations of mental illness. Right, but I think the point is is that they put him there because they don't know what to do with him. He, it's not that he has a mental illness so much as he is pure evil. Like, that's what this character is about. But this does that thing again where it sort of – frames mental illness in such a way that, oh, these people are scary, these people are creepy, they're dangerous, as opposed to the real human beings who might need some assistance, like, and compassion. Uh, This doesn't do that. It kind of, you know, oh, isn't this a creepy scene? 
and that's kind of shitty. It's, I think, the shittiest thing this movie does. Yeah, I can see that. But so they are recording all of this, and they take out the mask, which they somehow have. He says he has a uh, friend in the Justice Department or something like that that got him the mask. It's a pretty high up friend. Yeah. Well, it's a crime from 40 years ago. (laughs) I guess. I borrowed something from a friend at the Attorney General's office, Michael. He holds it out towards Michael and tries to get Michael to speak because, of course, Michael has not spoken in 40 years or really in 55 years, something like that. It's 56 years. Well, he's 61 right now. And wasn't he like six Six or something like that when it happened originally? Uh, We don't have the dates in front of us, but yeah. But so when he takes it out, you would expect the doctor to be like, what the fuck? Or or be like, get the fuck back or something. But I think the doctor knows about it. Well, no, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he knows about it or not. He's going to, of course, he's going to be totally like, yeah, that's totally a good idea. Do that because he's evil. Yeah, no, he's 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 more curious about what's going to happen next than he is compassionate. And that's why I think he he does represent the just like with Cabin in the Woods and the old gods or the audience, you know, that he represents that part of the audience that's like, I just want to see what happens, (laughs) you know. And so, yeah, he's like, yeah, go right ahead. Pull it out. I don't give a shit. <laughs> but yeah, so apparently there's the the mask itself is also evil because when he takes it out, everyone starts to flip out. Uh-huh. That's outside. All the the patients are freaking mm-hmm. out. But the only the only response they can get out of Michael is a slight turn of the head. Yeah. But that's it. We do not get to see his full face. Right. And we won't get to see his full face for any longer than, like, a frame or two until he gets the mask on and then leaves it on. But like I said before, this is Nick Castle, the guy who played the original. And I think he looks fantastic. They even got the scar over the left eye where he got stabbed with the coat hanger in the first mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. I think that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we get the pumpkin being brought back to life. Yes. How very metaphorical. They just recorded a pumpkin withering away and then... Played it in reverse. It's the resurrection of the franchise, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And then the podcasters, the next place they're headed to is Laurie Strode's house. And they, when they first go there, they she, of course, has um, fencing all up around. Of course, guys, she's now a survivalist. We get that. Yeah. And... She they they ring her buzzer and she ignores them at first, but then they offer her three thousand dollars, and so she lets them in. Uh huh. And when they sit down to speak with her, she's like, "What do you What do you want to hear?" And they're like, "Well, we want to know why he came after you." And she's like, "There is no why." Yeah, stop asking that question. That's not what this franchise is about. And then they she basically stops talking, and so the lady decides. The the female of the of the twosome decides, let's talk about the day that the state took your daughter away. <laughs> That'll be a good conversation starter here. Terrible. Yeah. And so she asks, when did you regain custody? And Lori's like, I didn't regain custody and you already knew that. Yeah. So this is over. Get out and I expect my payment. Yeah. I'm taking the money. Yeah. Don't think that I'm not. 
But as they're leaving, like the assholes they are, they're like, why don't you come with us and sit down with him and free yourself from all of this? And she's just like, you pieces of shit. Yeah. That's what this movie is really about. It's about Laurie Strode. It centers her instead, which is great. It's about trauma. It's about how that affects her life. And like I say before, it really centers the victims and the humans in the story. We get to meet Lori's daughter, who is played by... Judy Greer. Judy Greer. And she is married to... Toby Huss, who plays Ray. What do we know him from? Everybody should know who Judy Greer is. I mean, he's been in a lot of, you know, smaller things. I don't think you'd necessarily know him from something. He does a lot of uh, voices and TV shows. He was in Halt and Catch Fire, which, again, we still haven't watched. Oh, I thought I knew him from something specific. Um, he's been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Glow, The Righteous Gemstones, Reno 911. He's Artie from Pete and Pete. I'm sure there's something specific that we know him from, but he's just been in a lot of shit. Okay. But so, Judy Greer's daughter, who is played by... Andy Matichik. She's a newcomer, right? Never seen her before. Yeah. Yeah, she's been in a couple smaller things, but nothing major. She's being put on the Honor Society this evening, and she asks her mom, Judy Greer, if she invited her grandmother, Lori Strode, and she says that she did and that she could not make it. But her daughter knows that's a lie because her daughter contacted her grandmother and asked her to come. Yes. Even though the mom said she did and didn't. But we find this out through her conversation with her two friends, her best friend Vicky and her friend's boyfriend Dave. While they're having this conversation, Dave will bring up the fact that, like, is it really that big of a deal because five people died? When you think about how many people in the world have died because of horrible things, like, is it really that big of a deal? I mean, that is scary to have a bunch of your friends get butchered by some random crazy person. Is it, though? Because all things considered, there's a lot worse stuff that's happening today. And, like, I mean, what, a couple people getting killed by one guy with a knife is not that big of a deal. Dude, her grandmother was almost fucking murdered. And she escaped. And they caught him, and now he's incarcerated. I'm just saying, like, by today's standards. And it's just a ridiculous statement. It's just absolutely ridiculous. But at the same time, I can see a kid making a ridiculous statement like that, because if they've never experienced anything horrible in their lives, how would they know? Right. To get on the news doesn't have to be a bigger deal than that. Right. Just shut the fuck up, Dave. Shut up. And then he proves himself to be an even bigger annoying dick by vandalizing somebody's pumpkins yeah, on uh-huh. Halloween. Cool. He's, he's a dickhead. But he's funny. I'm glad he's in the movie. <laughs> yeah. But, like, we're supposed to like him. He's likable. He's a likable dickhead. Sure. He's the stoner guy, you know? Well, then we get to meet Allison. She's the daughter. We get to meet Allison's boyfriend, who by all accounts is great until he drinks. Cameron, yeah. Like, everything we see of him before, and then everything you see of him in the deleted scenes, he's a pretty great guy. Well, tough. Except for when he drinks. He was a total doofus idiot to the cops. Right. 
But that was because he had been drinking. Right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. But I mean, I guess they do kind of show that he's a little bit of a weird, like a, a jerk when she's like, I'm more excited about tonight when you meet my family. But like, he's a teenage boy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Who wouldn't be more excited about going to a dance yeah. than to meet your gra- your, your girlfriend's family at, at the night of a getting honors society, like way to make me feel like uh-huh. I'm worthy here, you know? But so... He also has a stupid friend who I will hate way more than I hate him. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oscar. Yeah. I The nice guy act has been done too many times on me, yep. and I don't like it. Yep. You're not a nice person. So then we get to see the famous scene where it's not Michael this time. It's Laurie Strode. She's at school. And she's sitting in 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 school just like Lori was, and of course, but if, uh, but then again, they do mention that she's in she's in honors. Yeah. So I guess that does make sense that everyone in class would immediately start working because it is an honors class. Yeah. Now that I think about it, and we mentioned this in our discussion way back when in episode fifty five. This is where we get the cameo of PJ Souls as her teacher. Which I'm really sad I didn't notice this time. Yeah. I apparently was really excited and noticed it the first time. She's Linda in the original Halloween and she's Norma in Carrie. I think I just wasn't paying as from. close of attention this yeah. time. But so, yeah, she looks out the window and sees Lori and then Lori disappears, just like Michael did in the first one. When she goes out to see her grandmother, her grandmother's like, here, here's $3,000. It's the money that the podcasters gave her. And she's like, do whatever you want with it. Don't even use it on college. Go traveling. Go do something fun. Isn't that sweet that, that we find out that that's what she did with the money? Yes. But Allison is very, she wants her grandmother to be there tonight. It matters to her a lot. But at the same time, she's very irritated with the way that she's also treated her mother. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is when she says, why can't you say goodbye to Michael and just get over it? And Lori's like, look, I know that you blame me for what I did to your mom, but your mom can hate me as much as she wants. I'm glad I've trained her to be prepared for mm-hmm. anything bad that happens. The boogeyman. All this hiding, all this preparation, it was for nothing. I mean, it took priority over your family. It cost you your family. If the way I raised your mother means that she hates me, but that she's prepared for the horrors of this world, then I can live with that. Which we end up finding is a good thing. It's Well, it's very much a Terminator 2 sort of relationship, right? Yes, yeah. 100%. And that night... Lori goes to see him get transferred, and she drinks very heavily. And sobs in her car as we see the outline of Michael Myers standing outside her car, even though he's not really there. Yes. Yes. Then we get to see the dinner where the parents and Allison and her boyfriend are all at, and we find out that... Her dad did drugs with his dad in high school? This is great now. Cameron Elam. His dad's name is Lonnie. This is the kid. Hey, Lonnie (laughs) from Halloween 1. Oh, (laughs) the Donald Pleasant scares. Oh, my God. The dickhead sixth grader bully kid. (laughs) Get your ass away from there. (laughs) 
Hey, Lonnie, get your ass away from there. <laughs> and then he's all proud of himself. <laughs> <laughs> So, not a big surprise that into high school, he would become a drug dealer. (laughs) But so then Lori shows up and ruins this very delightful evening they were all having by drinking heavily and being very erratic. And it's because she just saw him. Yeah. Getting transferred. Yeah. No, it was a triggering event for her. And she's trying to do her best, but she just can't. Yeah, and the dad is not very supportive. No. The mom is frustrated because she's like, I've tried to help you so many times. Yeah. I've asked you to get help. You just won't. And the the granddaughter is pulled between the fact that she wants her grandmother there and she also doesn't. And I feel really bad for the boyfriend. Yeah, this is a very awkward situation here for him. <laughs> this dude is just like, I was already uncomfortable meeting the parents. And now this is happening. And I'm a teenage boy, and I don't know anything about this history. Yeah. So I feel very bad for him. Yeah, there's a moment later on just outside the restaurant when Judy Greer says to her daughter, effectively something like, this is what I'm talking about. Like, I hate to say I told you so, but like, I was trying to protect you from this stuff. I'm glad you got to see that. I never told you how I spent my childhood. I learned how to shoot a gun when I was eight. I learned how to fight. I had nightmares about the basement. Social services came when I was 12 years old and took me away. I've spent my entire life trying to get over the paranoia and neuroses that she has projected on me. You know, yes. it's, it's it's this really sort of tragic relationship drama that all comes as a result of this trauma that Lori experienced 40 years ago. Yes. Again, centering the victims, more than just the direct victims, but the people in their lives who are also affected. This is when we get the scene with the kid who just wants to dance. Yeah. It oh, hits me no. in the heart. Oh, God. Dad, why are you taking me camping? You're making me miss dance class. It's just what I'm all about right now. And I love going camping with you, Dad, and hunting. I'm all about it. But, like, it hits me in the heart. Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. We t- There's another thing we talked about in episode 55 about being damned tragic and how everyone in the theater, like reacted strongly to this moment. Yeah, nobody wanted this kid to die. And it was remarkable that they killed this kid. Like, you know, we talk about teenagers played by 20-somethings. You know what I mean? Like, it's not... It it, it doesn't feel that visceral. But this is like a 13-year-old kid, and he's going to die. And he's going to do all the right things. His dad's going to tell him, stay in the car, call 911. He does. And then 911 doesn't tell him to stay in the car. No, they tell him to, can you check it out? What's yeah, going on? Yeah. Like, uh-huh. what? Well, because I think they don't, all they know is that there's an accident. But, like a smart young man, he takes his gun with uh-huh. him. But it doesn't help. We, we didn't say where they are. The prison bus that was transporting Michael, as well as several others, has crashed. And there are these inmates wandering around the open street, and the dad went to go check it out, and then he never came back. 
It's in the middle of the night and you can't see hardly anything. The kid ends up accidentally shooting the doctor and fuck that guy. Yeah, feels, fuck that guy. <laughs> feels so good that he shoots him. It's so much better the second time around when you know more about the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor kid shoots him and he's just like, oh, fuck. Yeah. The, oh, God, no, I don't want to do this. There's the uh, the security guard who was on the bus who's like, run. Yeah. And so he does and he runs back to the truck and inside the truck, trying to get it started and everything, Michael's already, Michael's in, already the in the truck and grabs him by the head and neck and snaps his neck. And that was the moment where everyone was like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's just a little kid. So then we get to see the podcasters and their death. And I, I get that, like, they are there because they're the reason that he gets the mask. But, like, this scene feels unnecessary. He drops teeth that they don't explain where he got the teeth. I mean, I get it's from one of his previous kills. Well, he smashed that dude's face in the diner. When the guy podcaster goes in and he finds the dude with his head, like, smashed into the countertop or whatever, that's where he gets those teeth. I don't know. You want to talk about this scene? Because I could just skip it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really good because I would say because... Ryan Reese, Rian Reese, however you pronounce her name, the female podcaster, Dana, she's extremely believable when she realizes what's going on and she's trying to get away and she's just terrified crawling under the toilet stalls and all of that. But yeah, he, he smashes the dude's face into a toilet stall. He, how does he kill her? Does he just snap her neck? I think so. Something like that. Uh, and then he goes to the car and he puts on the mask. Listening to myself speak about it last time, I said that I thought this movie is a little long, and it seems like this. For me, it's just like, that was an unnecessary scene. Kelsey would be a ruthless editor, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Just cut it out, cut it out, cut it out, cut it out. Unnecessary. <laughs> but it does get him the mask. Uh, we also get a reference to Halloween 4, because this is supposed to be the diner slash... Phil Station slash mechanic auto body shop from four that goes up in flames and destroys Loomis's car. But I feel like they could have, if that's what they were going for, then they could have included something. They could have included someone getting strung up in chains. They could have included the place being lit on fire. It's just a, it's just a little Easter egg. That's all it is. Right. But what I'm saying is when the scene feels so pointless, but you did it to pay homage, then pay homage. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's why they did it. I just think that's it, – it, it is what it is. It exists. Well, meanwhile in Haddonfield, the cop – Will Patton, Officer Hawkins, who I can't get his voice out of my head because he does audiobooks as well. And he, I think he narrated Dr. Sleep. <laughs> Winifred and Daniel Torrance lived in the Mid-South for a while, then drifted down to Tampa. Sometimes Dick Halloran – he of the powerful hunches, came up from Key West to visit with them. To visit with young Danny, especially. They shared a bond. And so I just, like, have his voice in my head all the time now. <laughs> Every time I hear it, I think back to that. Well, he finds out that Michael is on his way, and he explains, you know, there's a reason we're supposed to be afraid of this night, because he was on the scene 40 years ago. Yeah. Him, him and Lori know each other. This is when we get the call back to number two, Halloween two, where he will bludgeon a woman 
to death who was eating a sandwich. Yeah. But in the original, I think it was so that he could get her knife, but he doesn't take he does. her knife here. No, he does. Oh, he does? He starts with a hammer. He kills her off screen. No, that's when we see her. Don't we see her in the window and he snaps her neck? Oh, that's one of them. But he starts with a hammer and then he walks down a driveway into somebody's house. Uh, They're making a sandwich. She and we just see through the doorway to the kitchen. She leaves. He follows her. We hear a lot of noise. He goes to the drawer, sets down the hammer, picks up the knife, and then the camera goes through the kitchen and we can see her laying head down on the countertop and there's blood everywhere. And that's where he gets the knife. He does the person smashes the person's face into the couch or the whatever it is next. Yeah. See, this is what I'm talking about. Like, if it's at the point where it's like there's so many random deaths that I'm like, I can't even keep them track. Oh, but they're so good. Mm-hmm. They're so well directed and so well shot. I really like this movie. <laughs> Remember, guys, it is now Halloween night, so the daughter is out at the Halloween dance. Allison. And her and her boyfriend are dressed as Bonnie and Clyde. But gender swapped. Gender swapped. It's really cute. It is. It's very cute. It's really adorable. Plus women in suits. It's pretty hot. (laughs) But while they're there, he is drinking heavily. And I don't think she knows about it yet. No, she doesn't find out until it's already fucky. Yeah. She's talking to her friend who's babysitting. Yeah, he, so her friend had to babysit, which is why she couldn't come and- her boyfriend Dave is going to meet up with them her later at the house where she's babysitting. And she gets that phone call and he's irritated because I think this is like the second time we've seen her interrupt their conversation to be on the phone. Maybe. I think that's already happened. So he's already irritated by it. I can't imagine. I can't imagine that. She's there with you, dog. Like, why are you so upset? Yeah, I mean, it's just supposed to be that he's drunk. But, I mean, we all do do stupid shit when we get shit-faced. He's a dickhead. Right. But we all do do stupid shit, especially when we were younger. Sure. But he's a dickhead. (laughs) It doesn't absolve him of guilt. But so she's talking to her friend, and her friend really wants her to come over after the dance and hang out and smoke weed. And she's just like... Wait, but it's a school night. Like, she's an honor student for sure. And she's like, so what? It's Halloween. Come over. So she says, okay, we will. And when she gets off the phone, the, we get to see what happens with the babysitter. And she has this adorable kid that she babysits. Jabrail Nantambu, who we couldn't shut up about <laughs> in our last discussion. Uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, he's like, I know what you what you meant. Because she doesn't say, we'll smoke weed. She says something else. And yeah. he's like, I know what that means. <laughs> and, she, and he's like, I'm going to tell my mom. And she goes, really? I'll tell your mom about your browser history. <laughs> and they just have this fun relationship. And you used to be cool or whatever. And then when, he, when she puts him to bed, he's like, you know, you're actually my favorite babysitter. Yeah, you're my favorite kid I babysit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's very cute. And they have this great relationship. They have great chemistry. But back at the dance, when she comes back inside after her phone call, she walks in to see her boyfriend kissing some chick dressed as a tiger. It's just like Halloween 4, almost. Like, it's that same sort of, like, my boyfriend, the other girl. Oh, wait, you don't understand. Except he straight up lies. Brady in four was like, 
you don't understand. You canceled our date and I'm really horny. Yeah, like, exactly. That, that was that was four. Pretty this much. one is you, you it wasn't what you thought it was. She just came up and started talking to me. It's like, dude, I saw your faces locked into each other. Right, but again, he's drunk, but whatever. Still a dickhead. Yes. Yes. And then because he gets so upset because she gets another phone call or whatever, she tries to call somebody. He grabs her phone. Her grandmother from her. is calling her yes, to warn her. Exactly. He grabs her phone and throws it in the nacho dip. Yes. She is very mad about that and walks out. Yeah. Meanwhile, her friend, the babysitter, her boyfriend, Dave, shows up. Uh-huh. And there's this quick little conversation and it seems out of place and then you find out that there's a deleted scene that explains what's happening here. So he has apparently gotten some sort of tattoo on his arm. Well, we find out from the deleted scenes that it was supposed to be the first night they were going to have sex. And so he was going to get the date tattooed. But then she tells him, you're so getting dry humped tonight. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they don't have sex. No. I'm confused. Yeah. Well, the deleted scene wouldn't have made sense, so they took the deleted scene out. I suppose so. Miss Ruthless Editor over here. Yeah. But while they're making out, out comes her, the little boy that she is babysitting. Now, the boogeyman's in my bedroom. I saw him in the doorway. Would you please go look? There was a fucked up face, and Dave says something, and he just goes, shut up, Dave! <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck me. I saw someone in the hallway standing outside my door. Oh, what's up, buddy? That was a fucked up face, watching me from the dark. Oh, ghosts and goblins, little buddy. Shut up, Dave! I heard him breathing, and then I saw him! He's in here! Boogeyman's in this house! Okay, all right, come on, I got you. Let's check it out. Send Dave first! That, so good! That stood with Kelsey after we first saw it, too. So <laughs> funny. Shut up, Dave! Shut up, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I saved that one, and we never use it. I know, because I'm not mean to you. <laughs> shut up, Chris. Just shut up. But so she goes in to look and doesn't take any weapons with her. She just walks in, and then she plays a fucked up prank on this kid and pretends like there's somebody in there and there really isn't. It's cute, though. Well, but then Dave goes wandering into their garage and starts messing around on the motorcycle. He's like, well, that she's does, dealing with the kid. I'm that does not high. belong to him. Yeah, and then it, he knocks it over and he's freaking out. But this is when he hears the scream. So why is there a scream, Kelsey? Because Michael was actually, in fact, in the room. He was in the closet. And when she tries to close the closet because he asked her to, she can't. Like, it hits his feet or something like that. And then she opens the door and he's there. And he attacks her. He slashes at her. And he's freaking out. Yeah, she says, Julian, run. And he does. And as he he's running out the door, Dave is standing there. And he's like, you're going to get killed, Dave. <laughs> Don't go up there, Dave. Dave. Vicky. Dave. You gotta get out of here. And she looks terrified, and it sucks because she's great. Yeah. You, know? you really like her. Uh-huh. It's shitty that she dies. It's shitty that a lot of the people in this movie die, but I guess uh -huh. that's the point. We're not supposed to be on the side of the killer. Exactly. Which is probably why he doesn't kill her boyfriend, but I don't know why he kills the nice guy then. Well, you that hate the nice good. guy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay, I see what you're saying, yeah. I. But that's the thing. I think He kills me, indiscriminately. Yes, but but me, my opinion of nice guy is like, dude, 
I think he's a bumbling idiot in that moment. I don't think that he has any sort of like, I don't think he's an asshole. I think he's treating her worse than she deserves to be treated. And that sucks. But I think it's because he's inept. And so I do kind of like and feel sorry for him. And it makes me angry that he treated her the way. So I feel conflicted about him. And so I don't want him to die. (laughs) I would have wanted the boyfriend to die. I, I made a comment about how boyfriend disappears at this point and he never comes back. We find out later that that's because he gets arrested for being drunk underage on school property. Yes. That's in a deleted scene. Yes. But uh, yeah, so he de- he never gets killed. It's like, oh, you kill the you kill the doofus friend, but you don't kill the dickhead. But yeah, that's why. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Well, so Officer Hawkins shows up and for some reason, because we all know Michael loves the theatrics, he put their pumpkin that had heart eyes into the fish tank. And yeah. then he finds similar to the first film where the where he puts a sheet over the dude. Yeah. Or he pretends to be the dude he wearing pretends to be the dude sheet. wearing the sheet, yeah. Uh-huh. He puts the sheet over the girl that he killed. Yeah. Oh, we didn't say when he was when he was killing all the neighbors in the neighborhood. He passed by a crib and looks in the crib, pauses, and then turns and walks away. We theorized – I haven't heard anybody else say anything about this. We theorized when we first saw the movie that the reason is he kills the 13-year-old because Michael changed at like six or seven or however old he was in the first movie – And so everyone older than that is fair game. Everyone younger than that is innocent. I don't think so. I think it's just that who who poses a threat cuz it's not like he's going around killing no, all that's the little trick or treaters. I think I think everyone I fair game is what I'm saying. I don't mean he's going to actively kill them. But yeah, the kid had a gun and we talked about that as well. And so like it's okay to kill this kid now. He passes by a baby and the baby's like, "Eh, you know, it might as well be nothing." Mm-hmm. You know, and so he just leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we didn't mention that. But that was a moment where everyone in the audience kind of collectively held their breath. They had no idea what he was going to do. And mm-hmm. it kind of exhaled as one when he turned and walked away. But anyway, go ahead. But Lori is already there and knows exactly where to go, I guess, probably because the cops' cars are there. Oh, no. she Yeah, she's she's listening to the police band. Right. And she tries to shoot Michael. But what does she shoot? The mirror that she sees his reflection in upstairs. Yeah. So Michael starts to go downstairs and Officer Hawkins shoots and misses him as well. Mm -hmm. This is where we get Lori saying to, oh, Dr. Sartain, oh, you're the new Loomis, huh? And he's fascinated by, oh, my God, it's Lori Strode. And she confides in them that she has prayed every single day for the past 40 years that he gets out so she can kill him. And the, the officer is like, that's a pretty fucked up thing to pray for. <laughs> yes. But I do love when they first run into each other because they both almost shoot each other. Uh-huh. And they're just like, Jesus Christ, Frank, fuck me, fuck. <laughs> they're just so, like, heated. On edge. And, yes. Lori, yeah. fuck. Jesus Christ, Frank. Fuck me. Fuck. What the hell are you doing here? Frank, is here. I know. But yes, I prayed he would escape so I could kill him. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't have prayed for that. After that is when we're going to see the nice guy whole scene. And I actually love the way it's filmed, except that it doesn't make a lot of sense. 
how are these sensors working? Because they only come on sometimes. Well, I think, okay, so they're <laughs> motion sensors. Any, anyone who's ever worked in an office with motion sensors and then they turn off and you're like, you wave and it turns back on too long it turns off again and then you wave and they're not turning on and you have to like get up and move around before it actually so motion sensors really are unreliable in this way <laughs> so yeah they hop a fence into somebody's backyard and the motion sensors come on and he freaks out but yeah we find out it's these giant floodlights that are that are hooked up to motion sensors but michael myers they don't really turn on for him i think that's part of the mystique here but they do sometimes. They do right before he attacks. Yeah. Which I thought was great. It's cool. It's effective. Does it make a lot of sense? It does because motion sensors fucking suck. And <laughs> how convenient that they work exactly the way a horror movie needs no, them to. No, but no, it plays off of what you would expect to happen in a horror movie when the lights turn off, then the scary thing moves, and when they turn back on, he's right in front of you. That's not what happens here. The lights turn off and he stays in the same place. And then when he decides to attack, the lights turn on because he moves. Like, it's a little subversive to what you would expect to see from a horror movie with lights going on and off or the camera flashing or whatever. It it works the way you would expect things to really work, not the way that horror movies tend to work. And it was a jump scare for me. But yeah, it's it's a well shot scene and it's a lot of fun. We watch this guy hit on Allison, who's supposed to be her boyfriend's best friend. And she's just like, you are so like, pathetic. Seriously, come on. Yeah. And so she leaves and he's talking to Michael as if he, because he thinks that he calls him Mr. Elrod. Yeah. Because he thinks that he's just some guy, but the guy really who it's owns Michael. The property. He's like, sorry, we were just passing through. Listen, man, I'm really drunk or whatever. Do you like, do you ever like a girl? And, it, you know, <laughs> he's talking to Mike. Michael's just standing there. <laughs> Then the lights go out, he moves his arms to turn the lights on, and Michael's gone. Because Michael's not in the field of vision of the motion sensors here, he's off in the bushes. Yeah, so Michael ends up killing him and sticking him on a fence. Yeah, through the bottom of his mouth. Which, of course, Allison finds out what happened, and she so hears she... him screaming, and so she runs back, yeah. So she gets in the car with the doctor... Right, the, the doctor, the doctor, and the officer, officer. Oh, Hawkins. right, and Officer Hawkins. I forget why they stopped. They see Michael. They see Michael, and Hawkins runs him runs him down. Yeah, well, the doctor didn't like that, and right in front of Allison. But remember, Allison's in the back of the cop car, so there's yeah. nothing she can do. She's stuck back there, which is why I would never get into one, even if it was somebody I knew. I'd be like, no, uh -huh. if you die, I'm fucked. She watches the doctor stab the sheriff, and it's just like, what the hell? And yeah. then he stands up. And he's got the mask on. It's like, oh, you're such a doofus. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up throwing Michael in the back seat, and, and then, then throws the mask, the mask there, yeah. back uh -huh. there. In his mind, he's like, eh, he'll probably wake up, and he'll probably kill you. <laughs> like, he doesn't care. But what about him? He thinks he's safe. Because he saved him? Partially that, partially because there's the gate in between them. Like, you know, he's stuck in the back of a cop car. But remember, Michael is this unstoppable force. So he does wake up 
He does put the mask on, and instead of immediately attacking Allison, he puts his legs through the gate and shoves the doctor into the steering wheel um, and then drags him out of the car. Almost like he's... (laughs) He's mad. Yeah. But that doesn't I've had seem... to deal with you talking to me for like 20 years now. Fuck you. But that doesn't seem like a Michael thing to do. He's also probably the bigger threat. That's true. He's going to take them somewhere or whatever. So yeah, he drags him out and then smashes his head in with his foot. And in the meantime, she climbs out through the broken grate that he created. They don't, you know scream to this too much where it's like it's like the tense moment where can she squeeze through the cop car and get out and without you know getting attacked by him no she just gets out and runs i i kind of appreciated that there's a time and place for those moments and this wasn't that Mm -hmm. but we do get a funny scene before we see all that with these two cops talking about oh the bon mi sandwiches yes i've never had a bon mi neither have i we should try it okay Vietnamese cuisine is. We'll tweet about getting a it. Jump. <laughs> we'll get a bon mi sandwich and we'll tweet about it. It's like and the, the Vietnamese French baguette. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that when she's trying to convince the doctor to let her go, she lies and says that Michael spoke to her. Yeah, uh huh. I liked that. And he's like, he did. What did he say? I like the. Let me go and I'll tell you his yeah. obsession uh-huh. to, to try and get away. But it didn't and it matter. It starts to work too. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh-huh. but it didn't matter because Michael was like, "Fuck this guy." Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then she runs out into the woods, which I was like, "What the hell?" You You're on out- your way to your grandma's. Why aren't Why aren't you running there? You're running into the woods. It's a uh, the big breasted bimbo runs up the stairs instead of out the front door. But we find something out. We find out later that she was trying to lure him away. Yeah. But, like, to what end? Your grandmother can probably defend herself better than you can. Well, it's a defense thing. She knows her dad, her mom, and her grandma are all there. She'd rather, you know, if he's already chasing her, he might as well just be chasing her. But he doesn't take the bait. He kind of leaves her alone in the woods and instead goes to the house, kills both police officers, and kills her dad. Yes. Which is a bummer. Yes. But yeah, he opens the, the cop car. And, like an idiot. Yeah, and he sees... Why isn't anyone talking to me? Why are they awkwardly sitting in their car? Uh-huh. That's weird. I guess I'll walk straight up to the car and find out. He opens it up, and one dude's dead, and he has the head of the other dude in his lap, but the candle in his mouth, or a flashlight in his mouth. That's what it is. Like, it's a jack-o'-lantern. He's got the police officer's flashlight through his throat or something. Yeah, and then he ends up... Killing the dad, and then so now inside the house, it's just Lori and it's just Karen, Judy Greer. Did we say how they all went there? Yeah, they all went there earlier. It doesn't matter. I also because her place is safer. Yeah, I also wrote down okay, but how did the dad not see Michael get out of the car? Well, because he was inside and he saw the car, he saw the car pull up with, with the lights, and then when he went outside, the car was already parked. I think Michael was already out of the car at that point. Michael sure can move fast when he needs to. Yes. Uh-huh. I also really didn't believe when when Lori was standing so close to the glass that she knows oh well, I guess she's never seen him walk through glass before, but because they took out Because they took two. out two, yeah. Uh-huh. But still, do you think she would stand that close to open glass? She, she's trying to hold the door closed. Uh, yeah. Understand. But still. 
You think she'd have, she wouldn't need to do that because she, she has all have, the other shit. That, her glass wouldn't be breakable. Yeah. Uh-huh. But she gets Karen, Judy Greer to go underneath the kitchen island, which is where they go into their fortified basement where all of her weapons are and stuff like that. So she can hide and she's going to deal with Michael in the process when Michael smashes through and grabs her and he's going to kill her. She fires her shotgun and it blows off two of his fingers. Yes. I forget why, but they end up running into a closet that's very similar to the closet from the first film. Yeah. And then this is when he throws her over the balcony, just like he did in eight. But mm. I'm pretty sure they're re- they're referencing one more here. Yes, it's a reversal of the of the first movie because when he looks over the balcony, mm. she's not there. What we don't see is that sometime between getting his fingers blasted off and her running. And him come, trying to come into the house through some other means, he ends up grabbing Ray's body and bringing it inside with him and shoving it into that closet where she finds him. <laughs> so, like, it's... Again, Michael sure can't move he, fast yeah, when he needs uh-huh. to. But, yeah, so what what's happening is... um. Lori is going through systematically room by room, clearing them, and then sealing them shut. So they become non-concerns at this point, you know, It's which is really fucking smart. Mm-hmm. And she's going room to room, and then she gets to the mannequin room. She has a mannequin room because she uses them for target practice. He's not one of the mannequins. She freaks herself out on one of them. He's not there, but he is behind one of them, and at one point shoves it down. They get into a knife fight, and he manages to stab her, like in the gut or something like that. No, does he? At least that's the impression that I got. Oh, I didn't understand that part. Or at the very least, he punches her, but yeah, whatever. (laughs) She ends up shooting him, but he totally survives. She ends up slicing him with his own knife, which was fun. Yeah. But yes, he throws her over the balcony. He hears, now that he's alone upstairs, he looks down and he sees her down on the ground. He hears Allison come inside and Karen answering the door, letting her in. And something's going on downstairs, so he turns to listen. And then he's like, okay, well, I'm going to have to deal with them. And he turns back and looks outside and she's gone. Ooh. Just like in the first movie. Yes. At the end of the first movie, which was a cheering moment for the audience when we saw it in the theater. <laughs> but when he goes downstairs, he's like, where the fuck did everybody yeah, go? Where's everybody? Because <laughs> they're going through that secret passage underneath the uh, the island. But he does eventually figure it out. Yeah. And so he's trying to break it open and Judy Greer pretends to be afraid. Well, so it, there's this moment for Judy Greer where it's like, it's not like this is what they planned all along, but she sees the gun that she used to have. It has her initials. Like when she was a little kid, it has her initials on it. And she's like, Oh my God. Like it's, it's bringing her back. And she realizes that she does need to protect her family. She needs to use what her mom taught her. And this is, Luring him into a place where he's vulnerable and then shooting him. So he starts to freak out like he like she can't fire the gun. She's like she's scared. And that's what makes him instead of hiding and waiting for her to come looking for him, then he can attack her. He feels that he has the upper hand and he appears in that doorway at the top of the stairs. And that's when she says, gotcha. And she shoots him. Mm -hmm. He staggers back. 
Lori comes from the shadows out from the doorway, just like when he slices oh, her arm. That's who shoots him, not Lori. Yeah, she shoots yeah, him. Yeah, she shoots and him. And then Lori slices him with his own knife. That's when that happens, yes. Uh, and then she hits him with like a frying pan and knocks him downstairs into the basement where her daughter and granddaughter are. They come running up. Karen Judy Greer gets grabbed as she's coming out. And they're all struggling. They tell Allison to run away. Run, Allison. She doesn't. She grabs his knife and stabs him. Oh, she's the one who stabs him, not Lori. Jesus Christ, my <laughs> notes are so vague. <laughs> uh, but yeah, she's like, no, I'm not just going to be a victim. I'm going to fight back. I'm going to save my mother. I'm going to save my grandmother. And stabs him and he staggers back. And the mom pulls this really heavy lever, which seals this passageway and he's stuck and he can't get out. Lori has turned on all these gas pipes with these hot poker things, which are going to ignite at a certain point. She lights the flare and drops it down there. And she says, you know, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Michael. She says that when she appears from the doorway, oh. she says something else when she drops it down the thing, but it doesn't matter. Basically, it's over. And as the whole place starts to catch fire around him, he's just staring up at the three of them. Yes, it is a fun scene. It's cool. It's well shot. But how is he going to survive for two more movies? So they run outside as the whole thing is starting to catch fire. As we watch them run outside, we're going to cut back to the basement in a fireball. He's not there anymore in that shot. Now, I can explain that. For the for the reality of filming a shot where you have a room, you know, being engulfed in flames, you weren't aren't going to have an actor there, but then it also implies that he's already gotten out somehow at this point. He might be badly burned, but he's already gotten out. Um but they think that they've gotten him. Well, now remember that the daughter sliced Michael. The last shot of this movie is her holding that knife. Now, I don't know if they're going to try and go down the four and five route of making her somehow connected to no. the evil. I think this is just her also experiencing the trauma for herself, understanding and empathizing with her grandmother now that she wasn't able to do before and being the aggressor now, not allowing herself to be a victim. Like he made her a victim and she fought back. That's the point here. You can't control. Don't listen to those people that say, oh, if you're a victim, you make yourself the victim. Don't listen to those people. She was victimized by him, but it was her choice how to react. And she, she learned from her grandmother, Judy Greer learned from her mom um, somebody else who had experienced this trauma of how can we best shield ourselves from that in the future? And that's kind of what this is all, you know, about empathizing with those who are traumatized, understanding why they're that way. And what can we all learn from that? That's the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I have a few extra things. Oh, man, I got peanut butter on my penis. Is a great line. Oh, man. I got peanut butter on my penis. Fucking love it. <laughs> the dad says that. Mm -hmm. There are several references to the previous films. We mentioned the gas station. Dude getting his face stomped in is from Rob Zombie. The cops having a random conversation in their cop car outside a place where there's going to be murders is from Five, I think. 
a kid with a boombox bumping into Michael Myers happens in this movie. It also happened in Halloween 2. I wrote down vindication for Laurie Strode because she's totally uh, vindicated. Uh, we see the masks from three. Yes, we do. Some of the kids on uh, trick-or-treating at Halloween are wearing the masks from three. Three um, more days till Halloween. I feel like there's a vague reference to H2O, but it's the something to do with the house. It's been so long since I've seen H2O. I don't think there's anything having to do with resurrection. If there was anything from Resurrection or Six, I would have had no idea. Yeah, there. I think there is, but I, I don't know what it is. I also mentioned the first movie that we covered in this episode was the first movie that Carpenter had nothing to do with. And he wouldn't have anything to do with these movies, really, until this one. He came back. Uh, he worked on the score. So he did the score again with his son and another collaborator. So that's really actually pretty exciting. He remixed his own theme, which is really fun. Um, I also wrote here, I wonder if they're going to do this with the sequels, because I know nothing about Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends. If Lori is so traumatized and she is the protagonist of this movie, what about Lindsay and Tommy, which we talked about in Halloween 4? They also survived. They were also traumatized, and they're not even mentioned in this movie. Yeah. Maybe because, it's you know, you're trimming the fat. This is supposed to be just about Lori. Let's not talk about this other stuff. But it's a great opportunity maybe to bring back those characters. You know, that's like Ray's age in the next two movies. Maybe. Hell, bring back the actors. Who knows if give they're even a, actors anymore. I don't right, know. But give them a fucking. Oh, yeah, totally. 100%. Give them a cameo. Give them a cameo. Yeah. Put them in the movie. Mm-hmm. But I really fucking like this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it's very, very good. I thought it was pretty good. And like I said, uh, like I said before, I think it's my second favorite Halloween movie. Well, the argument you made for that was a pretty good one, so. <laughs> yeah, because look at all the others. <laughs> <laughs> what exactly is that saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, Kelsey, what would you think this movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? I would guess it's quite high. Maybe an 88? 79. Okay. Halloween largely wipes the slate clean after decades of disappointing sequels, ignoring increasingly elaborate mythology in favor of basic yet still effective ingredients. A 67 on Metacritic, wow. but a B plus on CinemaScore. Yeah, that's what I would have exactly what I guessed. So what would you give it? Do you think 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, 67 on Metacritic? Do you think that's underrated? <sighs> Maybe 79 is just slightly underrated. I was thinking of giving it an 80. I'm going to give it higher than that. I know you are. But I'm giving it an 80 because I think there's a lot of good to this movie. I think it's, it's I really love the strong message that it sends about female empowerment. These three women are very strong, even though they might not want to be who, like, these these great powerful characters that that's just who they are uh -huh. not necessarily who they're trying to be and i like that and i thought that they created compelling characters compelling side characters that had yeah. interesting stories i think some of them could have been trimmed i thought the podcasters were pointless but i thought it was a well-made movie and a good addition to the franchise I am more I than happy was, to see it continue like this. I wish it was scarier. I wish they made Michael scarier. I see what you're saying. 
it's going to be weird, but I don't, I think we've talked about this in the past. I don't really get scared by these movies, like any of these movies that we watch. The tension is just a lot thicker in the first film. Yeah, maybe. But I think this movie does really cool shit that the first one was a little bit too indie to do. This one has like Blumhouse behind it. All the money that people are going to invest in a Halloween reboot, which apparently this is the highest grossing Halloween movie, period. I think it became that in its opening weekend or something like that. I want to be on the edge of my seat. I want to be wondering what's going to happen next. And this movie did not do that. I just think there's some really cool shit that they do instead. You know, I think the moment when she can't close the closet door, the the motion detector lights, Lori disappearing after falling out of the, the window. Like, that's for us. That's for the audience. You know, it's it's okay that it's unrealistic because that's not what it's for. This movie is stylish, and I like its style, I would say. So I'm going to give this movie an 87. Okay. I think we both gave the original Halloween a 90. That would make sense. Yeah. I would so, have expected it to be higher, but. Yeah. So that is Halloween from 2018, thus ending our Halloween episode with uh 1988's Halloween 4 and 2018's Halloween. Kelsey, what are we watching next week? Next week is a recommendation week. Whoop, whoop. Yes. This comes to us from Michael. Michael asked us to do a um, vampire week. Okay. So we're going to be watching a movie called The Night Stalker from the 70s. Not about R- Ramirez. Yeah. This, this was made before he ever became The Night Stalker. And then a movie called Afflicted. Never seen either one of those movies. Nope. So hopefully they're good. Hopefully. <laughs> we'll see how that turns out. Well, until then, you can always reach us at our website, podcemetery.com, on Twitter, at podcemetery. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice. Rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. Bigger than that is sharing us with your friends, and even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Apocalypse, end of the world, Armageddon. It's always got a face and a name. I've been hunting the bastard for 30 years, give or take. Come close a time or two. Too damn close. You can't kill damnation, mister. It don't die like a man dies.
Kelsey, what are we watching next week? I actually have to go get something to find that out. Okay. She's making a lot of notes on her notepad. I think that's what this is about. Mm-hmm. Kelsey, I'm a big dum-dum. Oh, I got peanut butter on my penis. <laughs> <laughs>